Hello, and welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 100. Woohoo! 100! Woo! There was no Latin there, Albert. <laughs> what happened to you the Latin? You know more Latin than I do. Quid pro quo. That's it. <laughs> That's all you know I, of Latin? I, I don't really know Latin. I could try again, but you know, the translation that I have is just terrible, so I need a better translation. I... I I want to see you try it, Albert. Okay. Go for it. Do it. Do it. Welcome to Quintus Illudius Quad Ego, Johannes Exercitus Rese. I, I okay, I typed in the Google Translate. Welcome to the One Player Podcast. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 100. And it translated it to Latin, and that's what it came up with. Welcome to Quintus Illudius. Quintus One Ludius? All right. Um, so I hear there's... Uh, been stuff going on lots of stuff going on super busy um i took a trip to washington dc that was a lot of fun that was a really cool time Washington dc where were you when were you in washington dc you weren't in the same time as i was in baltimore right no i think we were about a week apart i was actually it turned out just by darn luck that we're there during the uh cherry blossom festival um it wasn't planned but we got there then and the we actually were there at the peak of the cherry blossom season, and it was super crowded, but it was super neat. It was a lot of fun. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, we were there when that guy got shot in, in uh, the Capitol building. And we weren't at the Capitol building, but we were. We had stopped at the little plaza near there, and if we hadn't done that, we would have been in the uh, visitor center, I think, as the guy got shot. We were so close to being at that. As a matter of fact, we were... We were about to cross the street to the Capitol, and we saw a bunch of people running out of the building. Well, my wife saw them. I didn't. Um, and then we were told to run away because the cops came running and said, run away, run away. So we just hightailed it out of there and went to the zoo. But it, other than that excitement, it was, a, it was a fun trip. It was really cool. And you've been busy. You were in Baltimore? Well, your travels were definitely more exciting than mine. <laughs> yeah, I was in Baltimore for the weekend. Uh, my sister was getting married. And I was meeting up with the rest of my family and hanging out with them, um, which usually means that we get a bunch of games in. You know, in the past, when there's no wedding going on, whenever my family gets together, we tend to get a lot of games in. Mm, nice. Didn't happen so much this time. Well, yeah. But uh, what, weddings are busy. <laughs> and they're fun anyway. Weddings are busy. And there was a lot of people who wasn't, you know, close family who wasn't quite so aware of it i mean at one point in time one of them was like let's pull out a game and so we pulled out between two cities and a bunch of other people came over to try it out and that didn't work so well <laughs> okay you know i played a quadropolis the other day have you played ah. that it's a lot like between two cities it reminded me a lot of between two cities in the way the scoring works or you're you're building a a four Where by four grid does something different yeah in between two cities you do build a four by four grid um, on your board, and there's various different types of buildings that you can put on your board. So you can put a harbor, you can put a house, you can mm-hmm. put um, you can put factories and different things. And so everything scores slightly differently. Yeah. Um, but when I played it, it plays. Although the scoring is similar, the play is very different because in um, between two cities, it's a, basically a drafting mechanic. And you're pulling it out, and then you're working with your partner on your left and your partner on your right to draft into the cities. 
But in Quadropolis, what happens is everyone has a set of four architects, one, two, three, and four. And so you pick one of those and you put it on the board and then three spaces away from that architect, you take that tile and then you have to put your tile in either the third row or third column when you do it. So there's no drafting going on and it's much more strategic with those numbers and where you're putting things. Mm -hmm. But the scoring was so similar that I had fun, but I kept thinking I'd rather be playing between two cities. In, in part because there's a lot of downtime in Quadropolis. Um, when I ever got to my son, he would just take forever. And uh, and I kept thinking, boy, if we were playing between two cities, it'd be the same kind of tactically trying to figure out how to score the best cities, you know, where to put things. Were you where, playing between two cities with two players? I have not. No, no, I haven't played that with... I've played it with three players and four players before, and five, I think. But uh, but I'm thinking we we played Quadropolis with three. It was myself, my son, and my daughter. No, I'm saying that between two cities, though, with two players, it's essentially like you're playing the solo game. Was, mm-hmm. I mean, between two cities doesn't work great two-player. No. It's basically like playing a solo player, except you're playing a solo player with someone else playing at the same time. Which yeah, I don't, I don't think that works as well. But yeah, no, they are similar games, I thought, and I did enjoy mm-hmm. between two cities more. I agree. Well, no, I actually think Quadropolis is a pretty good game when you're... I mean, I played it only once now, and I was playing with some relatively new gamers. Um, and, you know, it, it was a level of decision-making that they were able to cope with and figure out what to do. So, I thought it plays I thought it plays very differently. I don't think one replaces the other for me. Hmm, okay. Neat. There was two other interesting games I actually did get in while uh, we've had this away time. Mm-hmm. Um, one game that came in was Thunderbirds. Um, for those who aren't aware, Thunderbirds is another cooperative game from Matt Laycock, the designer of Pandemic and other games. Uh, Thunderbirds is sort of along the same lines where essentially there's bad things happening all over the board. Um, crisis are happening th- all throughout the board and you as the pilots of the Thunderbirds team of International Rescue have to pilot your ships all around the board and fix all of the problems and if you take too long to fix a problem it'll progress along on the urgency track until if it gets all the way over past the urgency track too late people are dead and you've lost because you took too long to respond meanwhile the overarching goal of the game is there's this bad guy the hood who has his schemes that he's trying to do. And it's up to you. You have to put everything in its right place to stop a scheme. And as soon as you do so, so you stop the scheme. And the goal is to stop all three schemes before the hood has the chance to unleash any single one of them. And in Thunderbirds, I, when I got this, I thought I was, I was expecting it to be more like Pandemic than it was. With Pandemic, the way you fix it is by having everyone be working together to pass off cards and in other games also you have to sort of have everyone work together to achieve a goal but it's all about having all the resources with you at the same time what surprised me is that he's really done a twist for thunderbirds in that the goal is not to have all the right resources with you the goal is to have all the right resources dropped off in the right places so for example a crisis card may require that you have all of these ships over in Australia, or you have to have all of the ships with you. And so throughout the game, you're flying from place to place and you're dropping off ships and tokens and items all across the board. You just sort of have like a shopping trail along the way. 
And Ooh. the goal is to have everything in the right place so that when you fix the problem, you get all the bonuses from having everything in all the right places. So it's not about having it with you. It's about sort of just dropping it off everywhere at the right time, which was interesting. I was expecting it to be much more similar to Pandemic and have a similar feel. But the fact that you're now dropping stuff off really did change it a lot for me. Hmm, okay, that's interesting. You haven't played that one at all. I've seen it. Yeah, so I, it came in finally for me. Um, the reason why it took so long for me is because we actually ordered um, with all the with all the expansions from Kickstarter. The reason why we got this originally was because, if you recall, this is one of my mother's favorite shows from going up. So we're actually getting all the expansions and then having them painted for her. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've opened it up and played it a bit, and now I'm getting it painted so that we can give it to her for a gift. Nice. I'm hoping she'll be really excited to get that. That'll be very cool. That's really neat. So we're getting all those painted and giving this to her. But uh, it took a long time for it to come in, which I suppose is just typical of Kickstarter. But it feels like it's much longer when you're waiting to give it to someone else. Yeah, that could be tricky. I had a friend that, uh, that Kickstarted something to give it as a, as a Christmas present, and I think it showed up about two or three years late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ouch. Yeah, I think it was, it's with, with me. I'm not like expecting it to come by a point in time just you know when it comes it comes and i'm happy when it gets here but when i'm expecting i gotta get it to fix it to paint it to send it off again it just feels like waiting forever more mm-hmm. but i'm happy it's in and it was a lot of fun to play very cool and then one other one that, that i got in while i was over in baltimore um my daughter who is five uh sees me playing these games and will often want to play with me so on her way out to Baltimore, so she asked if she could have a new game for to to bring with. She wanted she wanted something new to play, and so we picked up a copy of Aquarius by Looney Labs. Um, I have a feeling you've probably never heard of this one before, have you? No, I have. I've played it. It's sort of like Dominoes, isn't it? You have played Aquarius before? Yes. Yep. It's an it's an older game, and it's it's these cards, but they're sort of okay. like Dominoes that they have two or three colors, and you're trying to match them. Yes. So you do. That's exactly how it works. And one of the reasons why I picked it up is because it actually has um, different levels of difficulty skills. So there's a three to four year old version, a five to six year old version, and then the six plus, which is the regular version. And so when I brought it out with her, I played the three to four year old version, which essentially was actually a solo game, which I, I thought was interesting. <laughs> um, very light, very simple solo game, but uh, uh, you know was fun to do anyway it was especially fun to play with her but if you're the sort of person who also wants solo games to play along with your children let them it was interesting to do yeah like you were saying it's a domino game and the when you're playing the full version what happens is everyone has their gold card so for instance your color might be the rainbows and there's rainbows knights fish whatever so yours might be rainbows and the first person to have a group of seven connected of your color will win. So if you get all seven rainbows, so you get seven panels of rainbow cards connected, so then you're going to win the game. Mm-hmm. If when you and so on your turn you'll have a hand of three cards and you get to put it down and it has to always connect at least one panel. But if you can connect multiple panels for each additional panel, your hand limit will increase by one. So you may get a hand limit of five or six over the course of the game. When you're playing the three to four year old version, aka the solo or cooperative mode, you'd have to draw a card and then you put the card somewhere on the growing thing. And every time you connect more than once, 
you get a card point. And so you take a card off the deck and you put it in your point pile. And the goal of the game is just to have the most amount of points at the end of the game. And, you know, for quite a while, that was that was more than enough to keep her interested. And, and, you know, it's not like a boring game. I've played many other games with her, which were not fun for me to play, but they kept her interested. It was actually kind of fun because you have to look around. You have to see how to set yourself up and how to, you know, put the dominoes together. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting. Nice. That's, that's neat that that worked out well. And I'm a little surprised that you've played it before. <laughs> I did. Pl- I played it once a couple years ago. It's, it's by uh, Looney Labs. I know them. They make the Looney Pyramids, which are currently on Kickstarter now, a, a new version of it. And they've made some other games that I like. Yeah. So actually, I did play a game by them recently, a new game Very cool. called Mad Libs. And, and it's based on, on Mad Libs, where you're making up sentences, but, you know, throwing in a verb and a noun. I played it with my kids, and I did not enjoy that game at all. I was not the target audience. Um... You know, you, you basically haven't played it. You have a hand of cards, and each of the cards will have verbs and nouns and different things, and um, and they're color coded. So all the verbs might be green, and all the nouns nouns might be blue. And then you play a card that has a sentence with uh, missing a noun and a verb, maybe or an adjective, and and everybody plays cards to fill those in, and then everybody votes on the funniest sentence or the best sentence. And, and that was the idea, but it. it and it just wasn't that fun. It seemed like a good idea, but the the sentences you had, they, they were okay. But the problem is, you only had a very limited choice of words to put in there, and so it just it felt too random. It didn't work out. Well, nothing could ever be successful. <laughs> That's right. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. And I do think anyway, that's everything. So, you, did you have some other news going on? Um, you know, I've been working on making that challenge coin for the one player guild. You've seen that. I want to do that. There's Why don't a, you tell us more about that? So, so it's basically a challenge coin is basically a, a large coin. They they tend to be about inch and a half to two inches across, and uh, they're often issued by different branches of the military for for service or rewards. It's just because, I guess. Um. Most of them are military, but there are other ones out there too. And so I thought it'd be fun to make one for the one player guild. And these are these are nice looking coins. They're hefty. They they can have color. And so I'm making one. Going to try and make one that has a one player logo on one side, and something else on the back. And right now I'm looking at a a design for the back that has four different parts to it. No, uh, one showing the the one player podcast, which is the origin of the one player guild, really, and. Um, the solitary games on your tables mentioned, as well as uh, challenge accepted, because those are all different aspects of the the guild. So I'm going to look at getting this made. Um, unfortunately, it'll be a little bit expensive to do that, so I suspect I'll have to do a Kickstarter for it, which will be interesting. Are you actually going to run a Kickstarter for it? I I would probably have to if it's going to happen. Yeah, I'll try it. Because I don't. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, I don't think I could Let's afford do it. it. Yep. So I look forward to it. I need to I I need to contact the companies that make the coins. I know of a few. Actually, if you search for Challenge Coin online, you'll find tons of hits of companies that make them. So it's just a matter of asking for quotes and picking the one you like best, I guess. But yep, uh, I'm going to work on that. When do you think that this is going to be ready? <sighs> I don't know. I guess it depends on you know how much time I have to do it. It doesn't take too long to make them, apparently. They're made pretty quickly, and apparently many of them are actually made in, in South Korea. 
I mean, I've been doing research, so you can tell I found out all sorts of weird details. But, um, you know, I think that the turnaround time can be pretty quick to make them, so it'll just be a matter of how long it would take to get there, and then whatever the Kickstarter adds to the delays. You know, so in theory, it could be as fast as, you know, in a month or something, I would think. Plus the however long it's on Kickstarter. But, you know, I don't know. Well, we'll see. I suppose yeah. we will see. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Um, but that's not Kickstarter news yet. It will be in the future, but it's not yet. So keep an eye out for it. <laughs> but in the meantime, let's jump into the... Any other news going on? Yes. Yes, let's jump into the regular news. I've got a few different things. Um, a few of them are a little bit old, but I'm going to mention them anyway. Um, so there is a new Pandemic game coming out. This is a little bit old. It's a Cthulhu base. It's called Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu. Have you seen this one? This is a... I haven't looked a lot into the mechanics or how it works. I don't know if that information is available yet. But this one, it looks like it's set in just the town of Arkham. And you're running around Arkham, I guess, trying to stop Cthulhu from showing up. And that looks pretty neat. It looks nice. It looks nice and dark. The game Guilds of London by Tony Boydell, that's a, a card game. I forget the mechanics, but I talked to Tony about it a, a couple years ago when we talked about Snowdonia. He, we talked about that game a little bit when I interviewed him. And that game is going to now be published by TMG, so I guess that should be coming out imminently. I don't know if it'll be kickstarted or not. We'll have to see about that. Um, but at least it has a publisher, which is cool. What else? Here, here's a couple old news again. Three games by Fantasy Flight that are now available. There is a two Lord of the Ring decks. One is the the Pran- Murder at the Prancing Pony. Another one is the Ruins of Belagost. Those were both uh, decks are were available for. Um, I think one was Gen Con and one was for uh, an in-store game day sort of thing as a promo. And if you have participated, you have gotten it at the game store. Now they're available for for purchase. And the third item is. Elder Sign Omens of Ice, which I think we talked about already. But that is an expansion for Elder Sign, where you go up into the Arctic, and it seems to be based off the um, the first expansion for the digital game. Uh, and from Portal Games, Imperial Settlers 3 is coming out. The, the third expansion is called 3 is a Magic Number. This is, again, a small deck of cards, like the, the first expansion that came out. So, so it'll have a lot more new cards. Plus, it's going to have the other two um, cards for the Solitaire play. There was two available in the first expansion, one in the second, and finally two more. Um, And those cards basically let you play against a specific uh, power, one of the the four different uh, empires or nations, and with more specialized abilities for that nation to give it, to make it a little more thematic. Uh, one of the things about this expansion is now that uh, when you play cards, if you make sets of cards, of colors, you get bonuses for doing that. So if I remember right, making sets of three or four give you bonuses. The expansion for Nations is out. Um, that's neat. That's a small expansion. It just has a some cards and like 10 you could play as 10 new different countries each with different abilities and some some new types of cards and let me see and that still waiting for nation's dice up uh update or expansion rather 
Yeah, I hope that comes out. I haven't heard anything about it in a while. I, I know it was being worked on. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, AEG has released a new Valley of Kings game. This is the third one in that series. This is a small card game. It, it comes in a small box, say like love letter sized. And this is a uh, a deck building game that could be soloed. I think it's for one to four players. Have you played the this game? Um, hang on, what's the base game called? Valley. Yeah. Have you played Valley of Kings at all? Or the first two? I have not. Okay. This is interesting. It's a deck building I've game. I've heard of them before, but I have not heard of them here. Okay. They the what makes it interesting is that the the cards you're buying from are laid out in a pyramid layout. Three in the bottom, two in the middle, and one on top. And you could buy from the bottom row. And as you buy cards from the bottom, that unlocks the cards of, above it to be available to purchase. Um, so you could see what's coming later, but you don't necessarily have access to it. And in the solo game, you're trying to. Oh gosh, I don't remember exactly. It's been a while since I've played it, so I think you're trying to get just get as many points or, or buy a certain number of cards or something like that. You know, it's interesting. And there's two levels of difficulty for it. And I saw something else uh, on BGG News, a game called uh, Frostbite from Neanderthal Games. This supports one to four players, and you're trying to you're trying to survive the weather while building a shelter. And in the multiplayer game, I guess you're trying to be the first one to do it. The thing is that, you know, you're trying to build the shelter to win the game, but you may just be knocked out by, by having too much bad weather and not, and not uh, building your shelter. And what's interesting is building a shelter also helps you live longer. And in this game, you do things like hunt and scout and gather wood and resources and craft. So that looks neat. I look what's forward to that one? Frostbite. Did you want to mention the one-player gaming award nominations? Oh, that's right. That's going on. I, I haven't. I've been so busy. I've not been paying enough attention to that. But the one-player gaming awards are going on again. Um, you've got barely any time left to vote. I think about a week or so, maybe a little less than that. Or to, not to vote. I'm sorry. To make nominations, you could uh, go and make nominations. If you go to the one-player guild and look in the guild's front page, you'll see links to the different um, geek list for nominating folks and games for for awards. Once this right, nomination right. process is closed, you could still vote on the nominations and then there'll be a final round of voting based on which nominations get the bright most. Bright red. Bright red. Hard to miss it. Huge banner. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> nice and bold. Nice and bold. So yeah, so that is also going on. That's pretty neat. I need to follow up with it yeah. again. There was something I was thinking the other night, oh, I need to nominate this and I don't remember what it was. Yep. But I need to figure it out. One other interesting thing coming up that I saw, um, I'm really looking forward to the Dresden Files cooperative card game that's going to be getting released to Kickstarter at one point in time. Mm-hmm. They recently released the um, gameplay summary video for how to play with the fate tokens and the book cards, and I got a chance to take a look at it. I'm so excited for this game. Hopefully it's not that I'm just so excited for it because I'm a big fan of Dresden Files, the books, mm-hmm. and it's going to be a really cool game, but it looks like it's going to be a pretty cool game. Looks nice. like it's going to be a lot of fun. Cool, so okay. if you're interested, if you're also looking forward to the Dresden Files uh, cooperative card game, so the gameplay video is out, go take a look. Okay, I'll check that out. 
Are you also looking forward to that one, Albert? You know, I, I haven't read the Dress and File stuff. I've meant to, to you get have an audio book. read it? No, I haven't. I have not. I want to get the the audiobook and listen to it, but I just haven't gotten around to that. You don't I'm looking books forward much? Not as much as I used to. No time. I'm looking forward oh. to uh, the next Harry Potter book. It's another Harry Potter book? What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. There's a new book coming out, number eight. It's coming out in July, I think. Is there? Yes. I wonder what that one's going... What is that one supposed to be about? Um, He's older now. I believe he's an adult. And that, that I believe he works for the uh, Ministry of Magic, and that is about as much as I know. You know, more will be revealed. And does it still follow... It's still going to follow him? They're just doing, like, a whole new set of series of things? I believe it's just one book. That That's what I read. Not a whole series. I don't know. You know, I haven't looked a whole lot. Just, But every time I go to the bookstore, I see it advertised, too. That should be exciting. So I'm sure I'll read that. My my wife will read it first. I'll probably read it second. My daughter wants to read it. And my son is dying to read it, but we're not letting him read seven yet. He's read through six, and he probably shouldn't have read that far. You know, we, t- we told him not to read number six. He went to his school library and checked it out anyway. Oh, really? Yeah, and I caught him reading in his room yesterday. So You just can't hold him down. No, no, he can't. You know, and Why he- didn't you want him to read it he's a little young and the book is pretty dark really that's what it is and he's only eight okay but you know he he read he read he read it and he read it fast because he checked it out wednesday and he finished it today finally i finally said okay you could read number six but you can't get seven you can't even find it at school i had taken all my books to work all my copies because so he would stop reading them <laughs> but like i say we can't stop him really so not okay. Keep fighting it. Have you ever read the James Potter series? No. 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 What is that? It's um, a very popular fan fiction set. Um, it's set. It follows James Potter, Harry Potter's son, through. I can't remember. I think it's three books or something like that. But it's a three book series. There, I think they're as long as the regular books, but it's fan fiction. So. It's nothing official, but it was pretty well written in another set of series based in the same universe. Hmm, okay. It's called Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Oh, the next one you're talking about? Not the James Potter ones? Yeah. Right, yeah, the next one. No, the James Potter ones is, I think it's available online even for free at jamespotterseries.com. Okay. But it was fun to read. Nice. Anyway, I do get a lot of reading in. Yeah, I can't do it. I don't have time. I've been listening to audiobooks, and that works. That works pretty well for me. And like I said, I've talked about Shabbos before. You know, that's a good way of getting it in. That That's right. <laughs> anyway, so that's those two things. Um, one other thing that I saw teased, I don't know if you follow some of the spoilers about it, um, but I believe that you're a pretty big fan of Hostage Negotiator, are you not? Yes, I am. Huge fan. Well, have you seen that he's starting to tease some of the Hostage Negotiator Big Box expansion? No, I missed that. Yep, he's posted up to Twitter some prototype boxes, it looks like, where he's got a bigger version, a bigger box version of the um, Hostage Negotiator stuff. 
And so it's got a, a line of cards with dividers for all the different types of things. Nice. Okay. I need to go get back on Twitter. So it looks like that's coming. There you go. Hmm. I wonder when. That excites me because I, I don't like the small, small box. I much prefer to have it. It looks like it's to be upright and have card dividers like in Sentinels or things like that, which would be good. Oh, I see. And right now he's got a picture of a cardboard box. Yeah, it's just a picture of a cardboard box, but, you know, I don't know if you're aware of how prototype and design works, but typically you start with just a cardboard box to see if it all fits how you want it. Yeah. I see it says Abductor Pack 6. That's cool. And it fits the original box and everything, so you don't have to throw away your old box. Oh, yep. awesome. And it says, coming summer 2016 to Kickstarter? Nice. So that's coming. I'm excited about that. That's going to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Cool. Okay. I can't wait. Speaking of Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. And we are? Um, I previously talked about Zephyr Winds of Change, which was the airship battle to battle, which combines um, some deck building with... Uh, moving along a track. Really, I think it's primarily a deck-building thing, but they do it in an interesting way. But one of the most interesting pieces is their um, crew cards, because they've combined transparent cards with standard cards to make two cards that come together into one type of thing. Mm-hmm, yep. But anyway, I talked about it previously, and I just want to let everyone know, it's out. It's up on Kickstarter. <laughs> it's out there now. Um, it's going to be ending April 28th. It's $49 for a copy of the game and go back it. It looks neat. Nice. Okay. That's cool. I did see you back that one. I haven't looked at it yet. Do you follow what I back? Apparently I, I think I follow people who I know on Facebook who back stuff. Cause oh, one okay. day I got a message saying you backed it. So I I, I'm a horrible <laughs> I'm a horrible backer. One of the reasons why I do a Kickstarter section is because I back way too many things. <laughs> but one of the problems is that I tend to like serial back. I'll back one thing and then something else will come out and be like, ooh, I really want that one. But I can't back both of them. So I'll drop the first one down to a dollar and just back the second one. And then a third thing will come out. I'll want that. So I'll drop the second one down to a dollar and very often I just have like a string of things that are just a dollar <laughs> instead of keeping my backer <laughs> so you um, for a full project. Games. <laughs> yeah, it's a problem. I mean, you know, uh, limited funds being what they are, but I tend to do that's that's what I tend to do. Okay, that's funny. I wish I could get everything. I wish I could have all the ones that I back for a dollar. I wish I could have all of them. That would mm-hmm. be a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I probably wouldn't have room for that many, but I back a lot of things at a dollar. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't have any money anymore either. Yeah, seriously. Anyway, so that is definitely one that I'm backing a dollar, and who knows, I may back it full, get it later, you never know, but it looks really interesting, and I like the modular cards and the deck-building mechanic, and it looks like a good one. Zephyr, Winds of Change. Nice, okay, that sounds cool. Another one that's actually being done by a friend. I thought you'd be interested in this one because you are much into the solitaire role-playing game, are you not? Mm-hmm, yep. 
This one is called Expedition, the role-playing card game. Let me send you it. Now then, this one, I think that they are trying to go for the um, minimalistic attitude. The, the design that they have currently is really, really simple looking, you know? It's mostly just text with a couple really basic icons, like the icon for a sword, sort of paperclippy looking. And this is not full art. This isn't anything else. But the minimalist, it looks nice. You know? It looks very nice. The minimalist means that it's less expensive, even though there's a lot of cards. It's a $20 game, but I think it comes with more than 166 cards and health trackers. So even though it has a bunch of cards, which usually would make for a more expensive game because you need to pay for the art, here they've done a more minimalistic type, which still looks nice. I do like the the minimalistic art, but it's only $20 for the game. It's a one to six player game. Um, And, you know, this is actually one of my friends, Ian Zhang, is involved in making this one. So that's how I've learned about this one. The idea of what they're doing here is they're trying to make a role-playing game that isn't complicated, doesn't have a lot of rule books, doesn't have a lot of number crunching. Instead, it actually uses an app to make it helpful for basically anyone to do. So this can be done even by simple people, but it also makes for a fun, not simple people, people who are more interested <laughs> in a simple game, excuse me, people more interested in a simple game, um, or people who are you know, already more advanced and wouldn't need all of that dumbing down. No matter what, all of the app and the cards make it very easy to run through a campaign, and it looks like the app actually helps run things through with it. And you can see sort of a, a screenshot of an app, but the app tells you sort of what the GM sort of would normally do. So, for example, the app tells you you arrive in such and such a town and it tells you this conversation that has occurred. And then you get to make selections by tapping where you want to go on the app. The addition of the app, and the app is currently stored online. You can actually, if you have a android phone or iphone or something like that you can go pull up the app online and run through it in fact there's actually a demo a print and play demo and being that the cards are so simple looking it's really easy to print off the demo and play it yourself i think it's only what a 20 page demo for a smaller version of it so you can print it off and play through it and and experience how this app works with it but it's interesting what they're doing with that yeah, that is neat. I'm looking at the picture of the phone almost looks like they they put a piece of paper on top of the screen. But because the the app doesn't require any of the rule books or any of that. Now, something like this would normally be done with a book, an encounter book, and you go through the whole book. Here, they don't have that, which also means that they can continue to tweak it and add more encounters. And that's what they want to do. Once they have the cards out, they want to add more quests. Mm-hmm. They want to add more tools to add more narrative. They want to add music in. They want to add different areas. They want to add player versus player. And all that stuff can come into the app because all the cards are used to let you keep track of what it is that you have, what it is that you can do. So it'll be your abilities. It'll be your spells. It'll be your weapons. It'll be your bad guys when they're randomly drawn. And so 
you know, that'll that'll keep track of actually I think it doesn't even even do the bad guys. I think it just does loot and helpers and encounters. I'm not sure. But you know having it be an app version means that you can essentially just add a new quest book and just include it in the app, which is neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is neat. You know? So this one only half funded, but it's gonna be finishing funding on May third nifty looking go try the demo go try the demo are you gonna try the demo albert i might be he said i gotta print out 20 pages that's a lot i think it's 20 pages i had i took a look at it earlier um but i mean it's 20 pages of cards and so each card it's only nine cards per page okay i can't remember how many pages it is though but it's a lot less than 166 or something like that okay that's not too bad you know Talking about uh, apps, did we talk about the the Scent app anytime recently in the last few shows? I don't think we have. Right? Yeah. Okay. So let's jump back to the news for a second. Um, Go for it. Tell me about the Descent app. I know right. what you're talking about, but tell me. Okay. <laughs> so so the game Descent by Fantasy Flight Games. This is a dungeon crawl game for I think probably two to four, two to five players, maybe. I'm not really sure the number, but you you have one person that plays the role of the game master controlling the monsters and the dungeon and everybody else plays the characters and so as you're exploring the dungeon you know the the game master will add the tiles to, for the floor and control all the monsters and all that and it's a campaign game where your character will go through a dungeon and level up and uh, an ongoing story continues and depending on what you fight and what happens you know things change and if the monsters win that that's a gives a benefit to the gm for the next game or if the humans win that gives them an advantage um so there, Fantasy Flight Games is coming out with an app that will allow you to play this cooperatively or, I suppose, solo. Um, and it will control the, the role of the GM, basically, and all the monsters. Mm-hmm. So you use this app, and it will tell you what tiles to play on the screen and what monsters come out. And apparently all the monsters move relatively intelligently and react differently. So monsters may choose to always go for the weakest opponent or may back up if they're being hit too much and, and you know, five and farther or whatever. I don't know exactly how it'll work. Um, should be out in the next few weeks. Fantasy Flight didn't give a lot of details about when that happens, but they tend not to announce stuff until it's close to being released a lot of times. So I think it should be soon. Um, this appears to be a Steam app, so I guess you'll be able to play it on your PC or, or your Mac or your Linux computer. I don't know for sure. There, there wasn't a whole lot of detail about that yet, but the screenshots looked like Steam, or they mentioned Steam. I don't remember. So, so that should be neat. I'm looking forward to that. I'm sure once it comes out, we'll be able to actually review it because one of us will be getting a chance to get our hands on that one. Mm-hmm. At least. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to play it. I just need to get. Yeah, to I don't now. mind the. I don't mind the app stuff. I'm one of those people who, you know, when when the app is done well, I like it. Yeah, I, you know, it, it depends. It depends on the game, I guess. In in this, where it's turning a a game that was multiplayer and allow you to solo it because you're not using an app to control the AI, that doesn't bother me too much. Where the app is part of the gameplay, it it doesn't bother me, but it also doesn't interest me as much. Oh. I don't mind yeah. it. When, I mean, it depends upon if it's a good game or not. Well, yeah. There have been a couple app games that come out that just simply don't look like they're fun. <laughs> yeah. World of Yoho is the one. The World of Yoho is the one that I'm thinking of that just doesn't look like fun. 
but you know if the app, if the app game looks like it's going to be fun i don't mind it i think it'd be just just fine just fine i know that at one point in time actually uh, yeah why not um <laughs> have you heard of specter ops the name's familiar but i don't remember anything of it specter ops is a game by plat hat games where it's usually one player's the secret agent and everyone else is the um, hunter is trying to find out where he is. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's uh, find the guy. He's he's You don't see him on the board, but you have some limited information about what he's doing. And I know that they were at one point in time thinking of having an app uh, control the agent and you could solo against an app-controlled agent. Cool, okay. So I have no idea if that's ever going to actually happen. I know it's something that somebody wanted to have happen at one point, but who knows? Yeah, that'd be neat. That'd be neat. Anyway, so yeah, like I'm saying, I don't mind the app games. It's all okay. good with me. All right, and eat, and then back onto the Kickstarter train. Back onto Kickstarter. Um, let's talk about one more, Aeon's End. Aeon's End is a cooperative deck-building game where everyone has control of magic powers, and they are... What do they call them? What type of mage is it? It's a breach mage? That's right, a breach mage. Because everyone controls the power that is emanating off this breach to cast unique spells and do unique things. And there's a nemesis that is getting through the breach. And your job is to control the power of the breach and knock them back. The game works as a deck building game, but unlike a normal deck building game, there's no shuffling involved. So you're going to be able to keep control of your deck and you'll know in general where things are coming up and how it is that things come together. So if there are cards that you know are going to tie in together well, you'll always be able to keep those in order as long as you continue to draw them in order and don't do something silly like drop one. But you'll be able to continue to draw those and keep those in order and you never have to deal about shuffling your deck, which is nice. Um... The sort of style of the gameplay reminded me a bit of uh, the Book of Madness. Okay. I think I'm calling the name correct. Um, in that everyone has their own character cards and different spells that you're doing things with. But unlike the Book of Madness, there's not a lot of interaction between the different players. You may heal some or you may draw cards, but in the Book of Madness, a lot of the there's a whole lot of interaction with the other players where you cause this person to do something or cause everyone to discard or everyone draw a specific one and you borrow their resources and you use your resources. This one, there wasn't a lot of interaction. So I feel like this one would be a lot easier to solo because it cuts out all that interaction. So, you know, us being solitary gamers to a certain degree, we kind of like it when our co-ops don't have too much interaction because otherwise <laughs> it's going to be hard to solo. So this is one of those co-ops that looks like it would be very easy to solo and fun to solo um, because there doesn't have all that hand, hand interaction between the different cards. And this one's going for $48 and it's going to be funding on May 5th. Mm, okay. I hadn't really looked into this one, but it, the art looks nice. I, I'm going to look into it some more. The art does look nice. The uh, I mean, I think the art looks like your tip. Nothing stunning about it, but it looks like nice art. It's your standard cartoon magic against bad guy art. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've, uh, I've these guys have done a few other games, including, uh, what is it? Heroes Wanted. 
and Ninja Camp. And uh-huh. I really like both of those games. I, I like this company. They're yeah, nice I'm still folks. not a fan of I'm still not a fan of Heroes Wanted, but this game looks really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it is really it is really good art, and I think that the cards are very clear about what it is that they do. I like that you, there's no shuffling in those games. You really have a lot of control over what it is that you're doing. So that's interesting. So you basically keep your deck face up the whole time and just sort it as you want. Well, you don't get to sort out your deck. It's just that when you do the discards, you discard in order. And when your draw pile runs out, you just flip over your discard. Ah, okay. So you don't get to see what's coming. You don't get to insert, but you never shuffle your discard when you put it to your deck. Whereas in a normal normal games like this, you would shuffle your discard when you put it back into your deck. That doesn't happen here. I see. Okay, that is cool. That is very cool. And it's similar to Dominion where you get to, you know, use currency to buy cards in each round there's each game there's different cards available for purchase so different things happening yeah i'm gonna check this one out later on all right any more kickstarters i think that'll be it for now okay All right, so we have one extra extra added segment here. I'm with Ian Zhang, who's going to be talking about his current Kickstarter expedition, the role-playing card game. And we did talk about this earlier on in the episode when we were talking about our Kickstarter run-through. But Ian, why don't you tell us a little bit about this game? Expedition is a role-playing card game built to be the best introduction to role-playing pretty much out there right now. There are very few games that... You can jump into a role-playing session in under 30 minutes. Normally there's giant character creation. There's pages and pages of text that have rules upon rules upon rules. Uh, I worked with Todd Medema and Scott Martin. Uh, They're the creators of Expedition. Uh, They brought me on as a developer uh, in November of last year, 2015, to spruce up the game a little bit and add in a streamlined mechanic that allowed it to reach even more audiences and be, be more interactive. Uh, we added in this thing called multi-touch on the app. So for those of you who don't know what Expedition is, it's simply a card game uh, with an app implementation. The app is something that uh, Scott and Todd are constantly updating. Uh, with new content, new material. But the core game is you have a character. That character has eight abilities, uh, and those abilities make up your deck. During combat, you draw three of those cards, and then you hit go on the app. And you quickly look at all those cards. You have to choose one of them to play after conversing with your teammates, and play it down and put your finger on the app. The app has a multi-touch sensor that when all players have put their finger on the app, it stops the combat. So internally, the app calculates how long did you take versus how difficult was this encounter. And depending on an internal algorithm, it calculates an amount of damage that is dealt to all players. So to resolve all of the player's abilities, you roll a die, 
uh, each player rolls their die, rather. The game and, doesn't roll dice for you? No, no, it does not. We have physical dice. It, there's something physical. It, it's the role-playing aspect, you know? I, right. For, for all role-playing, it's not as it's not the same as going click rather than and actually roll I, the dice. I completely agree. Yeah. So <laughs> we are making sure that we include at least one die, but there's a stretch goal that if we get an economy of scale, we'll be able to include more dice right into the box, which would be really, really handy. But uh, most... We, we could think that most rpg players have more, more than one d20 more, lying around exactly i i would imagine more than 20 if you will <laughs> i personally i'm not really a role-playing gamer but i'm sure that i could find at least 10 in my house um but i find it funny i probably couldn't find any d20s i could only find d10s lying around eh, you know add them together it works <laughs> <laughs> sounds like that anyway go on uh, each card has a difficulty, which you do have to kind of think about uh, during the real-time aspect of the game. And each card has a difficulty, or each correct. encounter has a difficulty? Each card has a difficulty. So each card represents an ability. So uh, a, a super-ranged attack uh, that might have a harder difficulty, but might deal more damage. So you kind of have to make a decision, like, do I need that small amount of damage reliably, or do I want that big amount of damage not so reliably? So instead of having tons and tons of rule text, all you need to pay attention to are the ability cards that you have in your deck. And over the course of the session, because you only have eight of them, you become pretty familiar with what your personal deck is made up of. Uh, so it, it, it's a, kind of a self-learning mechanic, which is really, really neat. But it provides replayability because every time that you play, your deck is going to be made up of different abilities. And we've also included a mechanic that when you level up, you can add new abilities into your deck to kind of give yourself more power. So you have starting abilities in your deck and you have more abilities that you can add to your deck from your class or from like a general pile? So there are four different types of abilities. Uh, there's... Uh, might as a sword melee damage there's magic damage there's music damage and uh one other that escapes me off them off them oh range damage and they all have slightly different themes to them so music is more about inspiring and making other abilities better and melee is more getting in your face and dealing a lot of damage ranged has a lot of interaction with other cards so ranged you might be chaining together several different cards that uh, allow for interesting combos or whatever, what have you. Uh, and then magic has more to do with uh, various magic spells, which alter how you might play the cards. And so each character card that we have in the game, uh, there's 10 that come in the game, but there's no nothing stopping you creating your own characters. Uh, so like we have the alcoholic diplomat, and I believe he's three music and... Uh, five melee or something along those lines where I uh, what you do at the start of the game is you just simply draw five uh, you draw the abilities on the character card so you could create your own character simply by drawing from certain a certain combination of cards from the ability decks it's it's very very customizable and you can kind of do whatever you want uh, Todd and Scott are actually building custom card creators so that you can create your own cards and make them look as though they're part of the game, which is a really, really important part. And eventually, 
uh, will have You'd support. be able to have those printed yourself or something? Exactly. Exactly. So you could either print them out on a printer or send them to drive through cards or any number of print-on-demand services that uh, would allow you to essentially just customize your game with whatever you want it to be. And eventually we'll have uh, quests that... Uh, well, we already have two quests that are already integrated into the app, which is probably what your audience is listening for. Uh, our que- The quests allow you to play single-player adventures, or alternately, you can just not play with a DM or a guide. You can simply just open the app and say, we're going to play this quest. And kind of like Super Mario Maker on, on the Wii U, we will be able to have custom quest creation. So you can literally create your own quests and upload them to the, uh, to the app. And eventually we will have a rating system that allows you to rate up and down the various quests uh, that people have made so that you can li- we can build a community around this game so that it will be infinitely customizable and replayable. So all of these extra features and bonuses are going to be part of the app, not part of the physical cards, right? Correct, but at the same time, the app is an integral part of the game. You can't play the, the card game without the app because of the combat. The combat is really the core of the uh, of the how the game works. Uh, without that, it would it wouldn't work as well because you don't have that internal algorithm calculating how much damage is dealt. Uh, there's no fiddly like I need to worry about that range versus what cover I'm behind. It's did I hit them? If yes, cool. If not, then I didn't. <laughs> it's, is the app it, free? The app is free. Uh, you can uh, open it in any mobile device on the browser. It's uh, app.expeditiongame.com. You can open it right now if you have your smartphone handy. Uh, eventually, we'll have it on iOS and Android. But uh, Do you have a web version also? The web, a, a desktop yes. version? Yeah, uh, the desktop version we're working on right now, but the app is available on uh, the, a mobile browser uh, on any smartphone. So anyone right now could go to the app.expeditiongame.com and check out the app, just play around in it and explore. Uh, One thing that's really cool is we have this thing called a guided adventure. So many people are not really comfortable running their own campaign because there's a lot of, uh, you know, story elements that people aren't familiar with or comfortable with starting on. So it's, they're not born storytellers. I'm not a born storyteller. That's, that's just not my thing. Uh, I'm creative and I, my mind's all over the place, but this app kind of gives you prompts. So it, it gives you ideas as to what to create during your story. And so it might say, now you want to set up your adventure. Now you could have the heroes go to the castle and then the King can give them a quest. And here are some quest ideas that you could do. Uh, and it gives you just prompts to get your mind, uh, your mind flowing. And then after you've done that, you tell a little bit of a story and then you set up a combat and it tells you, okay, if you want to do this, you might want to add in some bandit cards, uh, maybe a, a tier two encounter. So the enemies are based in tiers and we have tiers one, two, three, and four. So you can put out as many enemies as you want, but the, the higher the sum total of all the tiers that you have out, the harder the encounter is going to be. Remember that the app calculates how, how many tiers you have in your fight times the uh, amount of time that it took to finish playing all your cards. So, so you're drawing cards for enemies or the app is providing cards for enemies? So 
uh, if you go into the app and uh, go through one of the custom, uh, the, sorry, the, the included, the guided adventures, uh, it's the first. It's the first one. So preloaded adventures. Uh, eventually, it will say, "Find the ranger and the thief out of the bandit deck." So we have enemy cards. They're they're black cards. They stand out uh, against the ability cards. You actually will search through, and these are physical cards that you will be putting in front, so you can see the health of all the enemies and. Uh, what they might do eventually. So uh, we use paper clips to track health. Uh, hopefully, if we get to the stretch goal, we actually have uh, Scott and Todd have actually created uh, 3D uh, uh, trackers that we will include with the game free. Again, it's economies of scale. As long as we can get a certain number of copies sold, we can we can actually afford to put these in, include them automatically. Otherwise, it's going to be paper clips for now. But we, we want to get this into the hands of people as soon as possible uh, and get them playing it because that's the play is really what stands out. Um, where was I with the uh, oh the the enemies? Yes. So yes. an important part of the enemies as well is each enemy comes with a surge ability. So rather than just uh, damage soaking things, uh, we just we also have these things called surges. Every once in a while during combat, a surge will occur after a round of combat. And a surge might say, Tier 1 monsters will surge. And on every Tier 1 monster, you'll see a little surge ability. And it adds in a little cool effect that that monster will do at that point. So it's basically like they powered up and they did something cool. And they activate that ability. And then once that's activated, you move on to the next round of combat. Uh, so it adds a little bit of flavor into the fight. So a thief might try to steal your loot, or uh, a bugbear might try to deal an extra amount of damage, or something like that. It's it. There's all, each encounter card has a unique surge ability, and you can actually look at all of these uh, in the beta version of the cards. You can actually go and print out the free beta version. It's on the, on our website. It's expeditiongame.com. Uh, you, you can go there, print them out. You can try it all free like we're a big proponent of try it you'll like it and you'll really want to back it and really put the support to make sure that we can develop this into a great community and how many cards do you need to print if you want to try it uh it is 166 cards total uh there are if you're doing the demo how many cards is it um the beta version i'm not quite sure off the top of my head um I've been playing with the the most current one, so uh, let me check really quick. You're playing with all the cards. Um, I think it's 166 still. So, okay, yeah, it's 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 around that much because we have about 80 80 ability cards to make sure that no matter what you do, uh, every player will have a will be able to draw all the ability cards that they want to. Um, we don't we don't encourage you to go just straight melee. It's it's good to kind of mix the abilities because then everyone kind of can complement each other, which is pretty neat. So you're a solo player podcast, right? This is this mm-hmm. is all about what to do when you are playing solo. Uh, the solo variant is simply it's it's not really a variant. You just play with one one adventurer and you make your own choices. Uh, you would play one of the preloaded 
quests that we've we've uploaded so far. And again, like the the, the ideal is that we have a community that is constantly building new quests and, and updating the app with new content on a on a daily basis. Ideally, if we if we build enough out, so players could potentially play this solo I mean, pretty much indefinitely if we have enough support. Um, the way that you do it is you you can. All your listeners can actually go to the app right now, so app.expeditiongame.com, and you can go to the featured quests uh, in in the options, and it will actually take you through a quest, and you can go through and make choices. So eventually the app will give you a choice between doing this thing or that thing, kind of like mm-hmm. a choose-your-own-adventure. Uh, and it takes you through combat, and then it moves you on to the next point of, uh, of the plot, and then moves you just through the quest, and you can get a pretty solid night out of it, um, because we can vary the, the app that can actually vary the amount of damage that is being dealt based on number of players. So the more players that you have, the more damage that is going to be dealt to the monsters. So it's uh, more damage is dealt back. So we vary the amount of damage based on the number of players. So it scales very very well. What's also really cool is that if we are told that, or if we see the statistics of all of the fights and we see that, wow, people are losing more often than not, we can actually tweak the numbers uh, on a live basis to be able to create a balanced experience that is not crazy hard or crazy easy. We want something that's... How often are you looking for people to win? uh, I mean, we want people to progress in their plot, so we're looking at it probably around 60 to 70 or more uh, win rate. I mean, the ideal is that around that, it's it's about two-thirds at, at the very least. And is this designed that you play one game in one session, or does it take multiple sessions to play through? And that's the beauty of this game. You can do whatever you want. You can actually create a save point where you just keep a character, you stack all the abilities underneath it, and you just stack all the characters that you have, and then pick up a, a, a new quest in the future. And you can kind of remember and uh, give your characters names. I mean, it could work as a Dungeons & Dragons campaign if you wanted to. But we really built it to be something that you could play in a single night, uh, introduce your kids or people who are not normally role players into a hobby that is, is uh, fast and fun and not have to wade through pages and pages of rule books and have to deal with all these complicated rules that Dungeons and Dragons have. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with Dungeons and Dragons. Like it's, there's a, there's a lot to be said for really in-depth rules and uh, to create a, a really in-depth world. You kind of do have to have really com- complex rules. You have to be able to cover all the bases. That's not what we were trying to, what we were trying to do. We were just trying to get a base level. Let's jump in. We have about an hour and a half. Let's just let's do a quick role playing session and just run through a, a little boss run. So it allows us to a lot of versatility with which to do anything. Basically, it's a very open source project. We hope to expand, uh, adding more adventures, more quests, more stories, more enemies. Uh, do you expect to also add more cards? Yes, and that's that's part of it. So. Um, Expansions would simply add in more cards. I mean, think about Cards Against Humanity. I mean, they they add in little little uh, fifteen buck packs of cards 
it would be a similar sort of uh, model that we would use where we would really even your base game is only twenty dollars exactly <laughs> so uh, we'd add in we'd add in a good amount of content just to kind of get more more cards and more abilities and more enemies and more adventures uh, out into the hands of the people so our hope is that we have a consistent expandable game that really creates a sandbox with which any aspiring dungeon master or guide will be able to use for years and years and years. Well, do you expect that someone who's not interested in using it as a sandbox and is just interested in playing the adventures will get a lot out of it as well? I, I would imagine so. I mean, the adventures are shorter. They're, they're not extended campaigns. Um, I'm sure that we could use, uh, we could develop the ability to create campaigns. Uh, it would require a lot more work, and we're more focused on creating the sandbox than we are uh, about world building right now. Uh, again, that's not something we're out to do. We're here to create the tools, uh, but if the community really wants a more campaign oriented uh, feature, it's something that we could potentially add in the future. That's the ver- it's just the versatility of the app uh, app based game that is allowing us to do that. So I hear that a lot of the time you're having to pull enemies and specific cards out of the box. Is that right? Uh, it depends. So during setup, you draw all the abilities and all the characters, and that's uh, once you've done that, all the rest of the remaining abilities can go back into the box. Uh, normally, what we do is we just keep the enemy decks out so that you can just look through them really quick and pull out the enemies that you need. Uh, right How now, big is the enemy deck? Uh, the enemies are around uh, 15 to 16 cards each. Uh, so somewhere around there. And how many decks are there? Uh, there are four different enemy decks. I believe there uh. are beasts, fey, and you know just the, the very generic uh, enemies right now. Eventually we hope to create more and more uh, variability with the types of enemies that you could encounter. Um, but to be able to hit the price point that we did, we had to kind of choose choose the ones that would fit most adventures. Okay. And do you expect to have those decks get larger than 15 to 16 or expect them all to stay about that size? Um, again, that's something that we really rely on the community to tell us. If it's if we if they want more and more content that's uh, that is already included, uh, we just want to expand that content. That's something that we can do. It's it's really we want to listen to the community and build off of what they want rather than what we think they want. <laughs> so there's there's it's just part of development. It's it's what does the audience actually want versus what we want. We're trying to create a game that is as open source as possible. And we really want to rely on the community for input. We don't want to just be the end all and be all. We're the best in the world. You know, that's not, that's not us. We're the, we're, we're here to help you create the story that you want to. So let me walk through how the game would feel to make sure I'm understanding how this all works. The idea is you start the game, you pull out your deck of cards to have your game, and then you can put back all of the character cards. Mm-hmm. You'll pull open the app, and you'll start your adventure. The adventure starts by asking you some questions on the app, lets you start running through sort of like world building. And then at one point in time, you'll have an encounter with some enemies. Mm-hmm. 
when you have the encounter with the enemies, you'll pull out the enemy cards that it says from the right deck, mm-hmm. and then you'll start having a, a combat system with the enemies. And the way combat works with the enemies, and here's where I may be getting fishy, the way combat works with the enemies is you'll draw your three cards and you'll pick one. Once you pick one, you'll tap on it. The amount of time it takes you to tap is how much damage you get. And the ability that you use is how much damage you do to them. Right? Uh, it's not always damage, but yes, you, you have that. Or something else. Pretty pretty accurate right there, yeah. Okay. And then once you deal enough damage to the enemies, you'll somehow in the app click, I finished, I beat the enemy, and then you'll be able to move on and continue on and keep doing that, right? Dead on. Okay. Yep. So does the app track any of the enemy health? Does it track anything else? Or does it just track the campaign, how much damage it's dealing to you? It tracks how much damage you're dealing. So on every character card, we have a health track. Every character starts with 12 health. Uh, but not the enemy cards. The enemy cards also have health as well. And the enemy cards have vari- variabil- a variable amount of health, um, ranging from, I think, 8 all the way up until the 20s. Um, so that, again, that goes back to the, how, how difficult, what tier that monster is. So tier one is going to have lower health. Tier four is going to have higher health. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all tracked with the paper clips or hopefully with our custom, uh, health tracker clips. And that just goes right on the card. So the cards actually have a little, uh, track for health. So the app doesn't track the health of the enemies at all. No, not right now. Okay. And one thing that I thought was very interesting about the game is the art style that you guys are using. Mm -hmm. Can you describe that art style for me and tell me what led to you guys using that one? We wanted to keep it as minimalist as possible. So we have very, very basic iconography. Uh, Again, that's one thing that we were trying to really focus on. If we're going to put this in front of kids or people new to role-playing games, we wanted to keep the iconography as simple as possible. Uh, So it's pretty straightforward you know how many targets there are you know how much damage is being dealt you know much health is being healed um it's it's very very simple um excuse me um and again because it's so minimalist it gets out of the way of the story that's being told so rather than focusing on this beautiful art that's on the card you're focusing on what's actually being told and you can actually think about what's actually happening and with the minimalist art we're hoping that you use your imagination more than just being able to see oh it's a magic missile so i see a magic missile flying out but it's you just see a a magic symbol and then you're like oh what's actually happening so you actually you can get more into the story rather than being being focused on the cards and how easy is it for people to be able to create um new stories and things uh, again, I, I mentioned earlier the guided adventure. Uh, for people who are newer to DMing or uh, guiding the quest, we actually have prompts that can be that are built into the game, into the app itself. So uh, the second option down from the featured quests is the guided quest. That guided quest, you can go into the app right now and you can look through it. Uh, it works similarly to the featured quests, where there's a story element and then there's a choice and then there's a combat 
and then there's another story element, there's another choice, and then another combat. So it it follows the same pattern as normal role-playing games. I mean, you might think like, oh, that's so dumb. It's just story combat, story combat. Well, if you think about it, that's kind of the same thing that happens in Dungeons and Dragons. Only Mm -hmm. combat will take 45 minutes, wherein Expedition takes under 10. (laughs) So it you can get actually back to the story and focus on that rather than just focusing on combat all the time. So there's, uh, it, it evens out the amount of time spent combat and storytelling, which is kind of the goal of the whole thing in, in general. But I was actually referring to making the custom ones that you can upload to the app and things like that mm-hmm. also. Oh, okay. So yes, we are, we are uh, getting into a beta for this. Uh, where you can actually upload your own quests into the app and be able to play it uh, just as a featured quest would. Uh, that's the bottom one. And again, we're still it's still something that we're actively doing right now. Uh, so by the end of the campaign, hopefully we will exit beta and actually have a workable model for that. Um, but ideally, eventually, we'll, we'll be able to have our users build their own quests and just be able to feature them right away. So we can build a really good community around these these featured quests, which are really, really neat. Sounds neat. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's any risk that, you know, you're sort of writing yourself out of it, that people are just going to use this as an introduction to the bigger box role-playing games and there's not going to be much longevity to it? Well, here's the thing. Like, it's it's good that people are being introduced to the hobby, but at the same time, there's always going to be that one situation where you're up at a cabin or something, you're at a vacation house, and you don't want to spend the entire night playing an entire role-playing campaign, but you just want something really quick and something easy that you can pull out, you can play really quickly and finish that night. That's really what Expedition is. So if you you can open the app, you can go in, you can do a featured quest, it takes you about two hours, and then you're done. So it's just like a pulling out a board game, if you will. But instead, you're actually pulling out a full role-playing game and playing out a full story. Uh, so yes, we might not be an extended campaign role-playing game, but man, we, we really excel at that. Let's 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 just do a, a quick game let's just do a quick game it's a pickup thing something that oh hey john yeah we haven't you haven't been in our campaign for dungeons and dragons but yeah let's just let's throw you into this expedition and we'll 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 do a one night thing so it's it's good for those moments when you might have that extra person who doesn't want to create a whole new character and learn all the rules and be dumbfounded by it all the the complex rules that might be found in other RPGs. Plus it also feels like, you know, there's going to be a lot of variants. If you're interested in having a simpler RPG and you don't ever want to learn all those extended rules as more stories come out and as more quests come out and, you know, you can continue to develop and build this. There's no reason to always move on to the next one. It in of itself will have a lot of, variability and expansion and life to it all by itself yeah is that correct oh yeah the the app is infinitely expandable uh we we could go and not never publish another expansion and you could still get hours and hours and hours of entertainment out of the base set just with the 
uh, expansion just with the uh, the featured quests that we have available. And because we have the ability to just create new quests, it's it, using those base cards. You can do anything, which is just fantastic. Some it's pers- I'm not a huge role playing gamer myself, but it's something that I will I love to pull out and just play because it's super easy and anyone can play it's again it's the barrier to entry is barely anything once you learn the 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 biggest barrier to entry though is the iconography but we include player aids so after the first combat or two you start to learn uh what the icons mean and especially because you already have those eight spells those are the only ones that you have uh or eight abilities rather you learn your cards really really quickly uh, and then you don't really need to know what the other players are doing because they kind of know what they what their cards do and they can tell you what what they are doing and mm-hmm. go off of that. So it's it's I've never met a role playing game that has a lower barrier to entry. So I assume that you've played the game a lot yourself with playtesters. Uh, we we have the team has played countless times. Uh, we've we've just brought it to unpub. Uh, which is the uh, big convention in... It's now the big convention in Baltimore. Uh, we had lots of After Dark uh, playtesting with new groups. We've actually gotten a lot of good feedback. Um, so we really encourage people to play the game, print it out and play it, and tell us what they want to see changed uh, or want to see altered, because up, up until we send it to the printers, we can make changes uh, live if we really need to. So it is. We really are relying on our community to make it as best as we can. We've gotten it to a point where it's it's pretty well balanced, and we feel really comfortable with putting it up on Kickstarter, obviously. Um, but we really like the community to really dig down and f- determine if there's anything that we missed, possibly. Um, but right now, we're we're sitting in a very very good position. And I assume that you've played a lot. What's been your most memorable or favorite story moment from the games that you've played with them? Oh, man. There's probably... There are just moments where if you do not roll that one die, (laughs) you're down to that last ability. There's one enemy left. You have one health left. Yeah, that's that's probably got to be what it was. So I I think I was a, a, a rogue, and I had one shot basically if i didn't kill this enemy right now i was the only one left alive i had one health left he had one health left i had played a card that was like a 12 (laughs) but the other abilities i i had my the choices that i had i was very limited i just wanted to get one damage on him that's all i needed i rolled the die and it it, you know that time when time stands still and you're just watching that die going, Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. And everyone just stands up. Cheers. Woo. We got it. And it, it was, it was a tense moment, <laughs> but I mean, once you got it, it's there and it, you get that moment of, Oh, exhilaration of just, yes, we did it. Or alternately, uh, when you completely lose and defeat, when you just get overwhelmed the game is, uh, each combat is its own little island. So once you're done with combat, uh, if you win, you are all healed back up to full health. So that when you move on to the next one, um, you're fresh and there's n- there's no need to really 
uh, role play through all the the complex. We need to go to town. We need to rest. We need to eat food. No, it's just you heal. It's it's expected that you just heal. You do you get all that out of the way so you can progress the story. Um, that's that's really the focus. Uh, we want to be able mm-hmm. to accelerate through the story as quickly as possible so that you can get a full story in within a night. So yeah, the the best moments in that game are when that one it gets down to that one roll. Either you're gonna win or you're going home. So <laughs> there's been quite it, that happens more often than not. I, I know at Unpub, I saw I, I was watching in the distance. I all of a sudden hear this loud outburst. Uh, I'm looking at you, Chris Rollins, <laughs> where he just <laughs> no and just almost table flips and just looks around and uh, it. Apparently, they had lost a critical role, and it was just that one thing that... Uh, I, it's wonderful just to see those reactions and visceral screams of emotion that come out of a game. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's strange, because all these cards are so... They're so streamlined that they don't, they don't have much of a table presence, but it's more the experience of the table, because they get into the story, which is really the key to role-playing. It's... Mm-hmm. Not so. It's hard. It's kind of hard to get into like the the Dungeons and Dragons when combat. Okay, so now I'm going to move up to that corner over there so I get a better shot. Okay, so now roll. So it's it, the real time aspect of a combat really isn't caught in Dungeons and Dragons. But I mean, because we have a real time system, you really get that. Oh, I'm actually. I need to do this quickly, otherwise. I'm going to get smashed in the face. So um, that the time element really adds in that, that needed component that Dungeons and Dragons is missing. Yep. I hear that. And I'll tell you, I'm personally, I, I like the art style and the um, elements of the game, the very minimalistic. I think it's almost like a sketch of the icons to represent everyone. And I think the, unique art style of everything how artistic it looks with the sword shape just sort of being evoked and the music shape just sort of being this flowing pencil lines all of those the art style really i i'm a big fan of the minimalistic pencil drawing flowing art style for all of these and i haven't had a chance to play through the um demo mode yet but i intend to and i'm expecting this is going to be an interesting looking you know small box self-contained little rpg looks like it's gonna be pretty cool well i appreciate it that's that i i'm excited to hear what you say (laughs) all right um was there anything else you wanted to add i think that i think we covered pretty much everything i more than more than everything so (laughs) Uh, um so if people are looking to pledge where can they find you i you can look for the kickstarter uh by searching expedition the role-playing card game Alternately, you can go to expeditiongame.com. Uh, we have a link to the Kickstarter at the top of that page. And if you want to check out the app, uh, you can go to an, on any mobile phone device. Uh, you can go to app.expeditiongame.com, and you can just explore the app to your heart's content. <laughs> and if someone's listening after the Kickstarter's finished, are they still going to be able to get a copy of the game? I We're looking to do Amazon, uh, so you can just get it through Amazon, so we'll... Uh, We'll keep we'll up to update the app, the website expeditiongame.com uh, as we learn more as to what's going on there. Uh, the, the first things first is to just go to uh, and get this thing funded so that we can 
get it made and get in, get it into the hands of our backers. Uh, and then hope we're going to produce more so that we can uh, continue the community and make sure that anyone who wants this can get a copy of it. And if anyone wants to reach you, how can they get, uh, how can they listen to you more or get in contact with you? Uh, well, I run my own podcast as well. I do development work in board games, but I'm just, I'm just starting out. So uh, I run a podcast called Breaking Into Board Games, uh, which is on iTunes as well. And I, you can reach out to me uh, at Ian Zhang Design on Twitter and that Ian Zhang Design. Ian Zhang Design at gmail.com is my email. So if you have any development questions or you're curious about the development process, uh, let me know. I, I'm more than happy to answer any questions uh, from your listeners. I'm very open and I will respond quickly because I like talking about this stuff. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Very cool. All right. Thank you very much, Ian. It was a pleasure talking to you. Absolutely, Julius. Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me. Do we have a PMP patrol this week? We do. We have a PMP segment, and it is on the game Austerity. Austerity. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. Have yeah. you played Austerity before? I have not. I have not played it. I'm looking forward to hearing the segment. I've oh, heard, I actually I've have heard played about Austerity before. Yeah, I actually printed off a copy of Austerity before. And oh, okay. I have it. I, I've actually kept it. It's been very good. I'm this is another one that I actually wish they would do a Kickstarter for because I would love for this to come with some extra cards for um, additional buildings that you could buy or different cards for starting resources and certain things like that. I would love if there was, if they replaced currently when you make it yourself, you just use cubes for the random draw. But if they would replace that with um, actual t- uh, tokens that you pull out of a bag for each of the different types of things, that would be neat. Cool, okay. Yeah, you know, I heard him talking about this game on um, a Doubletto podcast in Spanish the other day. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing more about this one. I'm looking at a picture of it now. I didn't know, but apparently a lot of the, like, the the board is a cool newspaper, newspaper clippings. Yeah. It looks really nice. It does look really nice. That's what I'm saying. It should be a Kickstarter. You're right. He, sh- he should Kickstart it. There's yeah. no excuse. He he should get. Some hopefully, money. Chris will tell him the same thing. <laughs> he should get. In paid fact, for this. why don't we hear from Chris right now? Hi, welcome to PNP Patrol. I'm Chris, and today I'm going to be covering Austerity by Jake Steins. So in austerity, you are running a country that relies on international debt to function. Your goal is to pay off the debts while keeping your country's government working. You've got to balance your country's employment, security, health, and your own popularity to win. So of course, this is the 100th episode of the One Player Podcast, so I wanted to cover something extra meaningful. This game won the 2015 Solitaire Print and Play Design Contest that I host every year, so... It's a favorite of mine and one that I thought would be fun to cover today. This game is also incredibly easy to build. All you need to do is print the board and you need about 10 cubes of six different colors so you can rate a game that has lots of cubes like Pandemic or alternatively the game comes with some markers that you can print and cut yourself. This is something that anyone can make regardless of crafting ability. The only printing that needs to be done is the board and that's it. You're ready to play. 
The board shows five tracks that monitor the stability of different parts of your country. They range from 10, which is excellent, to 0, which is failing. Uh, when you start the game, you'll place a cube in the 5 box on each track. At the bottom of the board, there are three institutions that you can invest in or make cuts from. And this is a fun balance, because if you make too much investment, that means that you won't be able to pay off your debts. But if you make too many cuts, that will lead to unemployment, civil unrest, public health emergencies. So you'll pay off your debts, but your country will fail. The cubes in the game represent debt, income, crime, security, and public welfare. At the start of the turn, you're going to add certain cubes to a bag and mix them up. Then, as you play the game, you'll go through a series of phases where you draw two cubes from the bag. These cubes represent situations that you must deal with. Each combination has a different meaning, uh, a different result, and the definition of all of those is listed right on the game board. So you just draw two cubes and look up the color combination to see what's happened. So for example, if you draw a blue cube, which is your security or police cube, and a red cube, which is your crime cube, and you draw both of those together, that means that the police are doing a crackdown on crime. So in this situation, you would have a choice. The first thing you could do is get rid of both cubes out of the game. This is good because it gets rid of the crime cube from your draw bag, so it's not going to be there in future turns but it's bad because you lose a police resource. It's also not going to be there in future turns. Or alternatively, your other choice would be that you could keep both cubes, which would be, I guess, essentially ignoring the crime problem, and you'd reduce the public safety track by one. But then you get to keep your police resource, and the crime cube will be back. Obviously, you want good cubes in your bag when you're drawing, and less bad cubes. As you make your investments... Uh, you'll get more good cubes in the bag. Having lots of good cubes in the bag is very helpful because if you draw two good cubes at the same time, the results are always very good for you. For example, if you draw two social welfare cubes, that indicates that you've increased employment by two. So you take your track that's monitoring employment and raise it up by two. And as that track rises, as more of your country citizens are employed, you get more income added to the bag because they're paying taxes. So the most important cubes in the game are your income cubes and your debt cubes. If you draw a yellow income cube from the bag, you'll perform whatever action is applicable based on the match with the other cube that you drew, but then you can save that income cube for later in your treasury. Or you can spend it right away to build up your infrastructure. That's where you would invest in your police force and add another police force or security cube to the bag. The other major cube is your debt cube. Once again, when you draw one of these, you'll perform the, uh, the action required with the matching cube immediately. And then the next thing you'll do with a debt cube is make cuts to your infrastructure. When you, when you draw one of these debt cubes, it means you don't have enough money to fund everything that you need to. The more cuts you make to your infrastructure, the more it will affect your country's stability. So obviously, the goal of the game is to pay off your debts. At any time in the game, you can spend two income cubes out of your treasury to eliminate a debt cube from the game. But you also need money to function, so there might be times where you want to add a debt cube to the bag so that you can take two income cubes uh, that you'll have more money to work with. You can also even raise taxes, which makes your populace unhappy and will add a crime cube to your bag, but it also adds more income for you to use. You win the game once all the debt cubes are removed from the game. You lose immediately if any track ever reaches zero. So the challenge comes from balancing your very limited income. 
uh, the tracks in the game are going to drop a lot during the game. So you've got to invest in infrastructure to keep your country alive. But you also need to work to pay off the debt, otherwise you're never going to win the game. So this game is really simple to learn and plays pretty fast. All the events in the game are randomly determined by cube draw, but you can increase your odds of getting good results by investing in things like new security or new welfare programs, both of which will add cubes to your bag. For such a simple game, there's an amazing amount of depth. There's also a lot of brain burning to figure out how to allocate your resources and react to randomly drawn events. All of that is just the base game. This game also comes with some modular expansions that you can use uh, to add to your game. You can add one of them or many of them, and they can be combined to add some variety to the game. For example, there's new infrastructures that you can invest in, new goals for your government, or scenarios that add special rules to the game. For example, one scenario changes the goal of the game from paying off your debts to fighting organized crime. Another has you trying to make public safety a priority so that you can host the Olympics. So this is just some of the variety that's available to you if you get tired of the base game or want to try out some different things. These expansions are printed on cards, and so they'll require a little bit more print-and-play crafting than the base game, but not very much. There's only just a few cards. And even without these expansions, there is a lot of fun and challenge just in the base game alone. This is a super easy build and tons of fun. I highly recommend it. It's definitely worth checking out. Thanks, and I'll talk to you guys next time. All right, and thank you, Chris. And just to bring it up, we like getting feedback a whole lot, and actually this was recently the source of some really good feedback that we got over on the Geek List of our episodes. I think we actually have a bunch of places where people can theoretically leave us feedback all over the place. We see all of them. I think if we I, see one and we don't respond, it's probably because we didn't know about that one. You know, I, I would admit, uh, I don't see a lot of feedback on the website, the one player podcast website. We see almost no, no one on the website. I think we see very little people coming onto the website to listen to it. I think it's something like five or 6% of our visitors. Mm-hmm. on the actual website most people just have it on the podcast feed which we are okay with <laughs> yeah yeah and and feedback has happened on the website but i don't get notified about it so if it happens there i, I wouldn't know. know necessarily unless i happen to remember to go back and look i wouldn't I be know. surprised if i have missed some there but but anyway i'm sorry we got, some really good, we got some really good feedback about the uh print and play part of the segment and i know that as we've been establishing more and more about the podcast we've continued to throw in other segments i know that when i came on we threw in the kickstarter segment and attached that to the news and now chris is on throwing in the um, print and play part of it and i'm personally uh, i like both of those segments those are both things that i'm very interested in i know for me i'm a kickstarter nut one of the reasons why i do it for kickstarter just for people who are interested is that with kickstarter Everyone can tell that the game is out and available or available for funding. But for new releases, even though I may see a new release at my local store, it may not be new to someone else. It may have already come out beforehand to them. So there's not really a definable point in time in which all of our listeners will be able to do it. So that's one reason why I like talking about Kickstarter. It's really available for everyone, and everyone can join in that set of hype um, about the newest and the coolest. 
And I like this print-and-play stuff because I like doing the print-and-play. I know that of late, I've had less and less time for print-and-play, but when the print-and-play contest starts starts pulling together, I like doing all this print-and-play. I like taking a look at these, these games, and many of them are very interesting. So to me, these are all things that I find very interesting. And I understand that some of our listeners may not find all of these segments really so interesting or not. You know, I definitely would recommend try and listen to all of them, see if you like them. And try them out. Every once in a while, you may hear something that you're interested in or that you may want to do. But you know, we got some good feedback about we're, we're going to be trying to leave timestamps in the future. So you can check the show notes and find the timestamp for all the different segments. So if you want, you can just skip to the same segment. And uh, Albert commented that you know it took us 100 episodes to really get a whole fight going. Right, Albert? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You know, it, it's we don't get a lot of feedback, so I like getting feedback and stuff that's controversy like this. This was great, and, and it really wasn't that controversial. But it wasn't I that controversial? It was interesting seeing a discussion going on. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and seeing people really get interested in how it is that the podcast continues to develop. And so, we just want to thank everyone for expressing their opinion, and that everyone was considered and listened to. And just thank you, thank you guys for giving us feedback. That's right, because you know, ultimately, it can make the show better. So that being said, how will we move on to our board game of this week's episode? All right, let's let's do that. I, I've been looking forward to talk about. You know, I've actually been looking forward to talk about this game probably since around first episode of the podcast. It's something I always said. The I'm going to get to this game at some of point. The podcast. How old is this game? It's only been around since 2011. Yeah, and the podcast has been around since 2011, also. So wow. so yeah, from from back way back, you know, maybe not the first, but early on, that was already something I had I had played because my friend had gotten it when it was still new, and and it was a lot of fun. So so I was also thinking, I really want to get this to the show someday, and I just had it, and and so so the game we are talking about is PAX, capital P, capital A, capital X, right? And who who made this game? Um, Burned Eisenstein? Yes, that's right. And, Made and in Germany? Is, yep, and it's published, published by Iron Games, which is his Iron company. Games? Which I think they're doing something else interesting that I'm looking forward to. Oh, yeah? Ah, Pelopona's card game, Pelopones. Okay. I don't know this. Pelopones? Pelopones? Peloponnese? Oh, I feel so bad. Peloponnese is the. I don't know how to pronounce it. Oh, I feel so bad. Uh, but it's the it's the Greekish looking card game Pelopis. P e l o p o n n e s, not an English word. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think it's Pelopis, but I word. don't know where I get that from. I mean, but Pelopis, I'll I'll take it Pelopis. So the Pelopis card game, um, which is a card game where you are you know essentially bidding on different um, luxury goods and different amounts of goods and so they recently are coming out with a card game version of it and they've said that they're going to have a solo version in, in the rules of the game so that looks like it was interesting nice okay now i think if not all the titles many of the titles published by iron games does have solo play in it which is pretty interesting i know they've got at least there's packs one you mentioned and there's another one the name escapes me now that i think also supports all tier play um, so so that's pretty neat. It's a neat company. Um, but anyway, mm-hmm. we we should keep talking about PAX because that is today's game, right? So, so right. this game came out in 2011, as we already mentioned. It, it's a small game. It's a small box of cards. I think you get about um probably about 110 cards, roughly. 
you get there the game comes with 40 already cards so in this game you're going to have um coins money which is called aris and this instead of having actual tokens or chits or anything like that you instead have cards and so there's one value card and two value cards and as you get cards you'll you'll as you get money so you'll get more money cards and then so there's 40 money cards and there's 74 influence cards which are the primary basis of the game uh there's the legion cards over the course of the game you'll put out legion cards on the table you'll be making stacks of the influence cards and that's where you're going to be buying from or getting extra cards from so those are the legion cards they show where the stacks of cards are and then there's a couple of there's a couple of miscellaneous cards there's the first player card and the primus conspiratoris cards in addition to the overview cards Mm-hmm. Okay. So about 100, 120, 130 cards. Okay. That's a good number. And so so this is a uh, a card drafting game. Right? In uh-huh. in it, it it works a little different so, though. The, the cards well, are gonna be laid I actually out on think, the table. I don't think it's I don't think it's the I don't think this the correct mechanic for this is drafting, because you're not actually drafting. Okay. But I'm going to stop arguing with you and let you tell us about the game, Albert. <laughs> okay. So so you already mentioned there's the... Uh, I'm sorry, what were those cards called again? Influence cards. Okay. So so you already mentioned there's a bunch of influence cards. There, there's actually seven different types of cards. Um, um, they each have a different color, and they each give you different abilities. The influence cards... Um, well, each influence card, ha- there's a different type... They also have a different cost and a different strength. Each card will have a cost along the bottom, which will be one, two, three, or four coins. Um, that's how much it'll cost you to buy the card when it's out on the table. The On the top, it also has on the top left corner either one or two symbols of that card type. Um, for example, there is... Oh gosh, none come to mind. Well, we'll have to go through each of the different types in a second. Okay. Well, so so the card will either have one or two symbols of its type in the top corner. At the end of the game, how many symbols you have will impact your score. Also, during the game, having a certain number of, of a symbol will give you different benefits. So, so you want to collect those. So obviously the ones that have two of the symbol are going to be better than the ones that just have one. Um, besides so why don't you tell us about what happens on your turn? Okay, let's do that. Um, on your turn, you're going to... Well, before your turn, first you're going to set up the ta- the game, right? You're going to... And we're talking about the solo play here specifically, right? You're going to get 40 of the influence cards... I'm sorry, 30 of the influence cards and take them out of the game without looking at them. So you don't know which cards are missing. And then you're going to set up three... Three of the army cards, I guess. What are they called? Gosh, I'm forgetting all the terms. The Legion so cards. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. So you're going to set up three Legion cards on the table, and they're basically just placeholders to keep track of each of the columns. At each On each of the Legions, then you're going to play one card from the influence deck face up. And these are the cards that are available to buy. You're going to then also set two influence cards, no, I'm sorry, three influence cards face down to the side. These are going to belong to Rome at the end of the game. You, you're playing against Rome, and I guess you're maybe rebelling against Rome. Um... So you set these to the side face down. You don't have any idea what Rome has. You don't know what those other 30 cards are out of the game. 
You're now going to draw two cards face up, look at them, choose one for yourself, take the other one and stick it back under the deck. So that card will come back eventually. Um, now you're set up and ready to go. Oh, you've also taken uh, five five of the money. What is it called? Aura? You've taken five five money and you have that in your hand. Something like that. Money. Plus, plus the uh, influence card that you picked from the beginning. On your turn, your first thing you're going to do is one at a time, you're going to flip over three cards from the deck and choose what to do with it. One card will go into your hand. One card will go out to one of the three Legion columns that you have set up. And the other card will go to the bottom of the deck. So, so you'll do, draw one card, look at it, choose which of the three spots it goes. Draw the next, choose another spot, and then draw the third, look at it, and put it wherever that one needs to go. Once you've done that, you can then buy cards that are on the table from one of the legions. You can buy one of the legions, I guess. Um, the cost for the, that legion, you have to buy all the cards in that column, and the cost is the total number of coins. So if there's a, a card, if you want the f- cards from the first column, and one costs one coin and one costs three, you need to spend four to buy that column. Um, each each round, you could buy just one column. Um, the next thing you do then is. Now you can play cards from your hand to the table in front of you. The first card you play is free. The second costs you one coin. The third costs you two coins. The fourth costs you three coins, and so on. Um, so, so it's always a and good idea do to one play one card at a time. So, it's, yes. So your second card would cost you um, one coin. Your third card would cost you three coins in total. Your fourth card would cost you. What do you have to do? Six, six coins in total. Yep. So, right. So the one plus two plus three would have been six. Yep. Um. So yeah. So it could get expensive really quickly. Um. And once you've done that, you are done. Now goes to the end of the round cleanup phase. You're gonna look at the legions of the oh, however many piles are remaining, two or three if you didn't buy any. You're gonna look at the ones that's the most expensive, and that's gonna go to Rome. Uh. And then that's the end of the round. Then oh no. You also get paid. I almost forgot that. When you play cards in the table, you stack them up by the by the type of influence card, by the color. And when you if if you play a let's say you play a yellow one or not yellow, that's a bad example. Let's say you play a blue one. If it's your first blue card you've played at all to the table, you're gonna get one coin that turn. If it's your second blue card, you'll get for the whole game. It, it's, I guess it's a little hard for me to explain this, but um. Let me try again. You're playing cards at the table and sorted by color into stacks. Um, when you finish your turn, you look at the stacks that you have played to, and whichever has the most cards in it, that's how many coins you get that turn. So if I played green and blue cards on this turn, and I have three green and one blue on the table now, I'll get three coins. Um... So and and so that was the end of the turn. You did that. You gave the cards to Rome. You draw from the deck to refill the empty legions, and you repeat the next round. And you're gonna keep doing this. Um, so over time, you're adding cards to to the legions, taking cards in your hand, and then playing them out in front of you into your tableau. And and you're always discarding a card back to the bottom of the deck, so you know what's coming up towards the end of the game. You could strategically play cards there to prepare for for a good end game which honestly I find extremely hard to do but in theory you can um that's pretty much the whole gameplay you're going to keep doing this until the the deck runs out of cards 
if you find that the end of the round you cannot refill the three legions, the game ends immediately. Otherwise, if you're trying to fill draw cards and you do not are not able to, to draw a card into your hand, then the game ends after that round. And also, if you're not able to, to draw a card into your hand, you get two coins for each card you're not able to draw. Which will be basically two coins. And that will give you a little bit of extra money for that last round. Um, so that's how the game works. It's pretty straightforward. Oh, the, the winning condition. At the end of the game... Now, this is neat because this is sort of like Agricola where you're going to play a, a campaign of games. And each game you have to do a little better than the last. The first game... Well, I'm sorry. You're going to... Let me step back. You've you've reached the end of the game. You're now going to take all the cards that have been set aside for Rome, including those three that you originally set up face down, and you're going to sort them out into stacks by color, just like yours are. And then for each of the seven colors, you're going to compare how many symbols you have versus how many symbols Rome has. If you have more, you win that stack. If you have fewer or the same as Rome, you lose that stack. Um, at the end of the first game, you need to win three of the seven stacks. If you do, then you go on and play again with all the same cards. Remember, you already set 30 aside. Those same 30 are going to be left out. So so you kind of know what's in the deck for the second game. Um, the second game, you have to win four of the seven stacks. The third game, you have to win five. The fourth game, six. And the fifth game, seven. So if you make it all the way to the end and actually win, you actually have to win in every single stack, which... I have not been able to do. I don't know if you have. That's extremely hard. Um, how far have I gotten? I've done the f- fourth. The uh, yeah, I've beaten the fourth game. No, hmm. I've beaten the third game. I've beaten the third game where you have to beat Rome in five categories. I've not yet beat Rome in six categories. Yeah, I don't think I. I may have once beaten at six. But not in that game, like when I only needed to win five, so it wouldn't have mattered, it wouldn't have counted. But I don't think that actually did happen. But it may have. But yeah, I, I've definitely I not I've won more than. No, I've, I've not played more than four games before losing. I've always made it to the fourth, and that's it. Oh, um, so you're saying what? That you have to. That every time you lose, you get reset back to the beginning? If you no, if if you lose, well, if I lose, then I, I've stopped playing, and the next time I play, I will shuffle up all the cards and draw thirty out again at random. Right, but yeah, you, you got to play. Well, the that's series. what you do. You don't have to play the games in order. I don't think that's the intent of the rules. <laughs> politely, politely, I think that's just supposed to be like difficulty levels. Like in Friday, there's different difficulty levels. So for me, once I beat the game at one difficulty level from then on whenever i play i'm at the next level up difficulty level hmm that's not how i was playing at all because i assume that beating it at the the first time you now know what cards were taken out and you have an idea of where you're strong and where you're weakened so now you're going to play again and try and and do it and you have to do a series of games like in agricola where you play agricola the first time you play i think you have to score 55 and then this and then the second game you play you keep one of the was it two of the cards from the from the first game? One of the uh, jobs and one of the upgrades, whatever they're called. And you play a game with that card plus six new cards. No, it doesn't say. Yeah. No, it doesn't say that in the rules. No, that's how. I, <laughs> that's the sense I got out of it. Well, I, you know, I'm looking I, at I'm looking at the rules right now. No, it doesn't say that. I, you know, maybe not, but I've enjoyed playing that way. So if that's just a variant, that works for me. 
<laughs> well, I'm keeping it my way. No, I make it the, the way I think it's different difficulty levels for your endgame goal. Like like in Friday, essentially. And the, well, the rulebook says you play a series of games. Well, that's because it was written by Germans. <laughs> it says in the second game you have to win four, in the third game you have to win five. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I, I think I think that's a translation issue. I don't think be. that's what it means. Okay, it could be. Um, so so what we haven't talked about is the different types of influence cards, right? It does matter because there's seven types of cards, and they each and each of them gives a different power when you use them. Mm-hmm. And I need to look at the cards. I'm not going to remember all of them for sure. Well, I can go through them for you because I'm looking at the cards. Okay, perfect. Um, the first type of influence card are the land cards. Now, let's name them actually all first. There's land, intrigue, religion, senator, wealth, fleet, and army. So the way fleet works, let's actually do this in different order from the way the rules say it. The way fleet works is that um, when you have three fleet symbols, you get a bonus army symbol. Similarly, when you have three army symbols, you get a bonus fleet symbol. So both of those can be useful when you're beating Rome, or Rome for beating you, because both of those help each other. But um, you are not allowed to play more fleet symbols or army symbols separately then you have land cards and so land is the third category that you have so let's say you only have two land symbols out then you're only allowed to play two fleet symbols if you and only two army symbols if you have another army symbol in your hand and you want to play it you would first need to play another land symbol now then there's an exception to that the intrigue cards. Intrigue cards can also work instead of land. So if you have three intrigue cards out, you can play up to three fleet and three army symbols. But intrigue cards work that whenever you play an intrigue card on your turn, you get no income. So let's say you played four intrigue cards and normally you get four coins. You do not get any coins because you played an Intrigue card. Now then, in a multiplayer game, that would be better. Because in a multiplayer game, whoever has the most Intrigue cards will get the first player card next round. So they'd get first choice at the cards in the Legion. Also in the multiplayer game, whoever has the most Intrigue cards, if Rome ends up beating the players, the player with the most Intrigue cards wins. The player with the most intrigue cards can win even if the players win, but he has an extra method of winning. So there's more advantages to having the intrigue card in a multiplayer game. There are no added advantages to the intrigue card in a solitaire game. Mm -hmm. You simply don't have to have as much land, and you don't get any income when you play it. That's mm -hmm. the intrigue card. However, I didn't the, mention in the solo game, you do have to have all seven types of cards at the end of the game where you lose. So, so there yes, isn't you a have big to have benefit. At least one entry card. Yep. But there's no benefit to having two. Nope. Other than you need more than what Rome has. Well, you can <laughs> let Rome get more in every other category. 
but we'll talk about that in just a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah. You can always already tell I'm I'm ready to mention that one. <laughs> um, religion. The next type is religion. For every three religion symbols you have, you get to draw an extra card at the beginning. So if you have three religion symbols, you would draw two. And if you have six religion symbols, you get to draw three. So normally one of the whole tensions in the game is when you draw the first one, you have to think, is the next card going to be one that I want more or less than this one? And you have to decide that sort of blind and hope hope to luck that you're correct. If you have religion cards, that reduces the amount of luck that you're having because you get to see all the cards and make a more informed decision. Uh, Senator cards. If you played a senator card, doesn't matter how many symbols you have for senators. If you play, and this is, I think, the only one that doesn't matter symbols, other than just for endgame. But if you play a senator mm-hmm. card, you'll get an extra income. No matter how many senator cards are out or how many symbols, you get an extra income for playing a senator. Politicians bribes. Mm-hmm. And and then the last one, the seventh, is wealth. And for wealth, if you have at least three wealth symbols then or for every group of three when you buy from the legions it costs you one money less if you have six it costs you two money less so normally after you would finish giving out the three cards you would have the opportunity to buy cards from the legion and let's say that it would cost you four cards to buy from the legion if you have three wealth symbols it costs you three cards to buy cards from the legion so those are the seven different types of influence cards Yep, and, and, and it's interesting because th- th- there's a lot of strategy between what order you play things and all that, and, and what you do. Well, I don't know if it's strategy, but th- there's definitely a lot of benefit. I think to it's strategy. It's strategy. The, the wealth, for example, starting with the wealth and, and and saving the intrigue for the end and that sort of thing. Oh, I I have a different method than you. Oh, do you? Okay. <laughs> I do. I actually like starting with religion and getting more control of what's going on. If I have the opportunity, I try and do actually an entry card for my first turn when I'm not getting income anyway during setup. Mm, okay, yep. And that way I have it and I'm done with it and I don't need to worry about it taking uh, income from me in a future turn. Yep. Okay. You know, there's also strategy when... When you're playing the cards, deciding whether you're going to keep it or give it to Rome. And when you give it to Rome, you're deciding which column to put it in. There's a lot of decision to make there because, you know... Because Rome tapes the most expensive one and ties go to the left. So you want to be aware of where you're giving it to try and force Rome to... You know, if you can get Rome to get every single one of a certain column of cards, then it'll be a lot easier for you to beat Rome and all the other ones because it'll have less of all the other ones. Yeah, that's right. But you you also want to be careful because you don't want to necessarily give Rome all the cards that have twos on them. Those are the expensive ones. So when those come up, sometimes you you kind of feel obliged to buy them, even though it's going to hurt to spend that much money on it. I don't know. Anyway, did you have any comments about the um, components? Um, n- you know, the components are fine. The the cards shuffle really well. They're really easy to shuffle. The, the thin cards, they're, they're very bendy, and I, I, I like them just because they're so easy to shuffle. I have one comment. Oh? Um, I'm not quite sure why they made this decision, but the back of all of the cards is black and white. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's a so, save on ink or what, but that is interesting. It, it's, it's, I, 
I don't know why they did that. I don't know. I, I've never seen. I mean, I've done some other you know developer related stuff, uh, playtesting stuff, and I've talked with people. I don't know anyone who prints in black and white because it's cheaper. But for some of the cards, that was a poor decision. Um, <laughs> I think that for the back of the aura cards, the money cards, and the influence cards, it doesn't matter that much. It's just It doesn't look as nice as if it were color, but it doesn't matter that much. But for the back of the reference cards, having it be um, not in full color is annoying. Because when you're playing the game multiplayer and you hand everyone a reference cards, it's a lot harder to read those reference cards without color. Much harder to read them without color. You're right, because all the influence cards are color-coded. So you're going to say, you see that first col- top row? That that gray is red. And the second gray right. is blue. And the third gray... <laughs> that's dumb. You're right. right. You're right. Also, is, for the first, the first player cards and the um, the most influence uh the most uh not most influence the most um intrigue cards if you flip those over and they lose their color it's much easier for them to get lost among everything else that has no color so you have to be careful never to flip those over during the course of the game mm-hmm. yep now it looks like then, those reference cards the two of them are color on one side and two are color on the opposite side so yeah, so I mean, if you could paste them, if you wanted to paste them together or sleeve them, you could have two fully colored cards. But otherwise, you have ha- four half colored cards. That is odd. That's funny. But I don't think that's, you know. Also, the Legion cards, I don't know if you mentioned, the game plays one to four players out of the box. If you have two copies, it's one to eight. Because the Legion cards can be flipped over to do all 10 of the Legions that you need to because you just flip them over. But if you flip them over, they go back to being only one color, black and white. And mm-hmm. so we, we, we set up an eight-player game. Uh, we didn't actually finish an eight-player game, but wow. we set up the eight-player game. Yeah, I know. We were having not quite sure what possessed us. <laughs> um, but we set up the eight-player game and... It looks strange having half of them be colored and half of them not. So I don't know why they did that. I just don't think it was a good decision. You know? Yeah. Hmm. I, I don't know. I, I never hadn't thought about it too much. But that is interesting. Now that now you bring it up, definitely. It, it did bug us. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing that bugged us about the card design. So you mentioned that the cost of the cards, the coins, is on the bottom, while the number of symbols is on the top. So over the course of the game, you'll draw three cards and you'll play them to the Legion columns, to your hand, and back under the deck. If you play them to Legion columns, well, you have two options. You can put them just on top of the other cards, leaving how much money is the column costs revealed, or you can put them just below so that you can see how much symbols each card has but you can't do both together, not practically, not keep them all in one column. You sort of have to like fan things out strangely if you want to see both how many symbols and abilities it has and how many coins it costs. Mm-hmm. If, they, if they would have put the coins on the top with the symbols, you could have left both the coins and the symbols revealed. But they put them in different places. So when you put them in the columns, you can't see both. Yeah, you know, it, it, after a while, you do get kind of used to it, where where you know that if if it 
If it's four coins, you know it's two influence. For sure, it's going to give you two. But if it's three coins, then it, well, if, if it's three, three coins, it's it could one be or anything. Two. Yep. If it's three, it could be one or two, and if it's two, it could be one or two. Yep. And and so yeah, so that when when we have a lot of table space, we'll play just play the cards sideways next to each other, and then you could see everything. But but yeah, and then you need a lot more table space, especially if you're using yeah. like an eight player game. <laughs> Well, we just set it up just because I mentioned this to someone else and we were curious, well, how big would it be if you did an eight-player game? And this is how big it gets. It gets big. (laughs) Now, you know there's an expansion for this game. Have you played with the expansion? Do you have that? I did not even know there was an expansion. There is. There's an expansion, um, and it brings three more types of cards. Oh, boy. And if you play with the expansion, they're different. But if you play with this, now now you have to win in all ten card types. So you're you have a lot of cards spread out. You got ten columns of cards in front of you. But that the, sounds like it's going to take up a bunch of room. <laughs> yeah, it could be big. It's big. Um, I'll tell you what they are. Let me see. I have it here. There is a scout. You have the expansion? Yes, I do. The the, the first type is the scouts. Um, now instead of needing three, you need four of a kind here to get the benefits of the symbols. But if you have four scouts, or, or for every four scouts, I should say. Um, Instead of the first card you lay out is free, the first two you lay out are free, and then the cost starts going up by one. So on your turn, you could play you know two cards from your hand. You don't have to pay for it. The third card costs you one. The fourth card costs you two more on top of that. So it okay. makes it a lot cheaper, which is neat. But again, you need four of them instead of three. The second kind is adversaries. Um, I, I didn't like these. They might be better multiplayer than in solitaire. But when you... What do they do again? It adds two cards from the hand to Rome and so on. Okay, so if you have four adversaries, each turn, Rome gets two cards instead of just one. So so Rome is more powerful. It gets more powerful more quickly. So you kind of want to avoid these as long as possible. But okay. if you avoid them too long, then that's going to be a problem because Rome might end up with all of them and you'll lose it, right? Um... And I may have that one wrong, but I didn't worry about it too much. The third kind are the <laughs> militia. <laughs> the militia are cool also. Again, if you have four of those, what happens is now on your turn, two cards go into your hand instead of just one. So you end up, you'll draw four cards. You keep two. Ooh. One goes to the legions. One goes to the bottom of the deck. If you have eight, then you end up with three in your hand. That's nice. So it's sort of like the opposite of the, uh, of the adversary. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I found playing with, with the expansion, it was a lot of cards, and by the end of the game I had a ton of cards in my hand, ton of money that I just wasn't spending. Um, it was still interesting, but I didn't enjoy trying to complete 10 columns as much as I did 7. I think what would be interesting, actually, is at the beginning, pick 7 of the different types of cards and play with those. You know, pick 7 at random. Maybe, you know... One from the expansion, six from the base game, or whatever. And that would be interesting playing that way. But I haven't tried that yet. But it's, and another, another thing about this expansion, though, it, it you don't buy it by itself. It comes as a an expansion for this game plus another Iron Games together in the same envelope. Let me see what that game is called. My computer, my, board, my internet wasn't working, so maybe... I can't check now. Um... I don't remember the name, but if you look, it's called Pax Nocturnum, and it comes in the envelope with the expansion for another Iron Games, which I think also may support Pergamemnon. 
That might be the one. And that may or may not support Solitaire game. I don't know. I've heard of that one before, but I don't know if it does or doesn't. Okay. Um. So yeah, now I, I contacted Iron Games, and they this game is old. It does not seem available online, but they said they do still have about twenty copies of the game left, and they do still have the expansion available, so you could get them from them definitely. Um, I think it's also available in various distributors. I think you can pick it up online. Is it? You know, when I check Cool Stuff Inc., they don't have any in, in other online retailers. Nobody seems to have it. Let me see. So, if you if you check your friendly local game store and ask them, they might be able to get it. Because I know mine had it. When I ordered the expansion, they didn't have any trouble getting the expansion. That was about a year ago, maybe? Maybe more uh, than that. PAX has it. White Dragon has it. Noble Knight has it. Amazon has it. Oh, okay. So, so it's in various places for about 15 bucks. Okay, but it is out of it is no longer in print or otherwise. You know, once they run out, they run out. And um, he did say he doesn't have any plans to reprint it at this point, or maybe ever. I don't know. Understandable. Yeah, but I, I you know, he it's a small company. It's one person apparently, and you know, it's not hard to to do that. It's not easy to do that. I, I but, imagine this won't be hard if there's a lot of demand to be able to reprint a new a new version of it. Yeah. I mean, if there's enough demand, yeah, you could do it. <laughs> it's not a problem. But overall, I really like PAX. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed playing it, and it plays pretty quick. A solo game, you know, in the evening, I played a, the, my series of four, and it probably took me about an hour, maybe a little more than that. Neat. Mm-hmm. Did, did you have the same problem, by the way, with the intrigue cards that I did? What's that? I think I think I was mentioning this while we were explaining it, but the intrigue cards, they give no benefit in solitaire yeah even in multiplayer when we played in multiplayer nobody wanted the intrigue cards because it wasn't that big of benefit to go first it's it just wasn't that big of benefit because somebody else may end up giving something down that you really want so there wasn't a big benefit to going first and yeah you know with the intrigue cards in solitaire you don't want at more than one unless you decide i mean really you want that to be even even in the highest level I think you don't need to beat Rome and all of them. Oh, no, only in the highest level do you need to beat Rome and all of them. But when you're playing the fourth, I'd say always try and have Rome beat you in intrigue and you beat Rome and everything else. Because yeah. there's no benefit to having the intrigue. And it, I, I just feel like the intrigue category needed to be something else. Yeah, I, I, it I, doesn't I work so well in the solo the game. Like, and like you said, unless you're playing at the highest level where you, where you need to win all of them. Or, you know, but you do have to... The way I've been playing after the first game... I may see that there's very few intrigue cards, so I know I have to, you know, like there maybe there's only three intrigue cards in the rest of the game. I know I definitely have to get one of them right away and and not risk losing it. Yeah, because you play weird. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think what I'm seeing in the rules, it says the first game you do this, the second game you do that. It seems like like I got it right. (laughs) But But it's a whole new, it's a different game. Albert, it, it is a very game, different just like you always set up the game. Yeah, it's but not a, it, it's it not becomes interesting because the first, it, well, that's how I've been playing it though. The first time I play it, it's super easy to win. You know, it's not hard to win in three. A lot of times, the first game I've won in four with yes. with four of the stacks, right? Um, but now yes. I'll at the end of the game, I'll look at it and I'll say, oh, okay, th- there's there's a lot of this and there's not very many of these and, and whatever. And I'll play again, and as I'm playing, I'm watching for these cards that I know I have to get. And so, so it adds another level of of uh, decision of memory. making in the game. It's, it's definitely a level of memory that I I haven't played with. 
Yeah. And I'm not sure I'm not sure if that's necessarily the intent. You know what? Why don't we go ahead and contact the designer? What what was his name again? Uh Bernard Burned? Eisenstein. Yep. Burned Eisenstein. We'll contact him and see who's correct. Alright, well we could do that. We could also check BGG. Because I think um, he does go just, on there. I don't know. We'll see. Let's see if anybody else has asked. You know, I, either way, it, it, it's fun either way, I think, so it probably doesn't really matter. <laughs> doesn't matter who's wrong or who's right, even though it's me that's right. Your way's weird. <laughs> Your way's just weird. Because, I mean, it changes it from being... For me, I really like the tension when you pull a card and thinking, do I want the next one more than I want this one? And you're like, no, I'm going to hope for a better one. You pull it, and it's not better. <laughs> or, you know, sometimes I'm like, I just want one more religion card. Ooh, a wealth card. All right, I guess I'll take a wealth card. Oh, look, there's a four gold religion card. Well, fooey. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so the, I, I like that. I like the tension that goes into those decisions. And for me, even when you're playing multiplayer, the, the tension of, I don't necessarily want to give the next player this one, so I'm going to dump it underneath the bottom. Or, I don't want the other player to have it, but I can give it to them, but I can put it over on this column where it's super expensive. And I know they super want it. So I'm going to make it super expensive, and I'm going to just totally trash their resources. If I put it under the deck, they may get it. So I'm just going to make it super expensive, but they're not going to get it. And... You know that sort of stuff. There's the 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 challenge of the decision with that primary mechanic of you draw three cards one at a time, and you have to resolve each card before you know what else is in your draw. That is a very fun decision point for me, and I think that's really the crux mm-hmm. of the game is that decision point for me. Yes, I agree. That that that, that is a lot of fun there, and you know it, it's it's fun but frustrating because you always pick the wrong one. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a, I wish the scoring. Something. I wish the scoring in multiplayer would be a bit easier for your first time out because the scoring in multiplayer is um, hard hard to figure out. But mm-hmm. I did it. Um, in solitaire, you don't have to deal with that. The score is much easier in solitaire. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Score doesn't matter. You either win or you lose. Right, so, yes. so here in BGG, he does seem to imply that it is a five games. Somebody asked no. when I set up a solo Show game. Me. I draw and set aside 30 influence cards. Do I reshuffle these cards at the beginning of the five games? Or are they set aside for the whole game? Or are they set aside for the whole game? And Bernd replied, Hello, it's not in the rules, but you shuffle the whole deck and take away the other cards in each of the maximum five games. There you go. So it's still five games. But you're shuffling the cards each time. Oh, you're saying it's still time. supposed to be... I, I, we, I don't think that... You have to play through the five games like that either. <laughs> but you definitely are supposed to shuffle them each time. Yes. Well, you know, I'm going to keep playing my wrong way because <laughs> it's worked for me. And you do that because it's fun for you and that's okay. But, and that's what matters. Yep, you're right. <laughs> so, so yeah, okay. a- anything else about packs? <clears throat> what? Anything any, else any, about packs? Yeah. Uh, it's fun. I like it. Yep. It's a, it's a light fast. game. It's an inexpensive game. Um, I do like it. I, you know, no game is perfect. So this one has its critiques, and I think I went through the critiques. But the 
the crux of the game, that question of what you're going to do for it, that is a fun question. And I don't know, no other game comes to mind which has that similar type of thing. I can't think of one. And I like it. It's fun. It's good. Mm-hmm. Yep, I, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And I Pretty like game. that it has the different, I mean, the way I understand it, the different difficulty levels means that whatever difficulty you're level at, you can find one that's a challenge for you to still be doing, which is also a good thing. Yeah. I agree. I, I think that last difficulty level is impossible. <laughs> it is so hard. Impossible? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but it sure seems impossible. I, don't I know mean, at the I last difficulty there. level, you get some benefit of having extra cards. Because on the higher difficulty levels, normally you start with no cards, but then you'll start with one card in play, and then you'll start with two cards in play, and then you'll start with three oh. cards in play. I missed that. I totally missed that. I've always Did started with really? zero cards in play. In the third game, at the beginning, you draw three influence cards instead of two. Play one of them to your display, slip one card under the deck, and keep one card in your hand. And then on the fourth game, you get to uh, draw four and put two into your display. In the fifth game, you draw five and put three of them into play. Oh, I've got to play this game again. This is a whole brand new game. This is awesome. <laughs> Albert, Albert, Albert. <laughs> I've been making oh, it hard Albert. on myself. I can't wait to try right, it again. <laughs> All right, so I know what this game is missing for Albert. Playing the rules right. The rules, yes. The yeah, rules. Well, you know, the, the rules are hard to decipher, though, even though I kind of mess them up pretty bad. they are. I, I find them hard to figure out sometimes. These ones, I think that the only real difficulty for me was the scoring bit, but yeah. I think that otherwise, I think otherwise it wasn't so bad for me. So... Shall we talk about what we actually think it's missing? What's missing? The color? Well, we <laughs> always talk about what's it missing, our um, mind, the, the great debate. Oh, the great debate, yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. What's it? Yeah, so last time we were talking about what's needed for Project Dreamscape, and it was Flash for me and Metal Detector for you. And this was a close one this time, Albert. You barely got through. You got five votes to my four. Wow. (laughs) So you won again. That's terrible. (laughs) You have won yet again, sir. You know, that's not fair. (laughs) Metal, you know, metal detector was so bad. Metal detector? Well, clearly it, someone didn't agree. It, it was worse than seaweed, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know. Well, <laughs> I know that. Hopefully, we're not going to be relying on random words anymore. I know last time I had said that uh, we didn't have very many submissions. I was actually incorrect. Um, we've had a few submissions, and now we've had a bunch more. So, Jason Clark, hats off to you. You were actually the first person to give us a submission, and you actually gave us a submission over a month ago. So, my apologies for not mentioning that. We've also had word submissions from Chris Hansen, from Mo, and from Lynn. And so, you know, thank you to everyone who's giving us some submissions. Hopefully, we have some good words for you guys this time. And Mo is currently the leader for the number of submissions. Um, Mo has given us, what is it, 
12 words submitted. Everyone else, feel free to go give us even more words submitted, and we'll continue to pull yours. I don't know if Albert will send you a new die each time we use your word, though. Uh, but if you submit your word and we use your, your word here, I think Albert's going to be sending you one of the one-player podcast dice. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. I've got them here. You've got neon green or uh, burgundy. Both very nice dice. And I'm going to go ahead and be doing a random word from these. And I'm going to be throwing out the first random word. Chris. Chris. Um, I appreciate you very much for coming on our podcast and you know telling us about print and plays. But we were supposed to be doing words. Chris submitted the following. The mini head sticks from Monkey Auto Races. The head stick from Monkey Auto Races? The mini head sticks from Monkey Auto Races. Okay. Time to do words. <laughs> Wait, you want to do that one? Sure. The game needs them for sure. I have no idea what that even is. I think. Um let's let's try and let's try and in the future do word submissions everyone else was very good about just a single word <laughs> or a thing that's a little bit more complicated than i have any idea what that is i don't know what that is let's look it up real quick um this and is a game that was number one on bgg at some point monkey auto races was it it was an april fool's gag by the users where they push it to number one and in monkey auto races it's a kids game, ages five and up. You, you wear this um, thing on your head, on your forehead, and it has a stick on it, and you use it, it looks like, to push your car along or something. And you're running along the floor pushing the car with a stick on your head. <laughs> okay. It, yeah. <laughs> Well, would you like that one then? Uh, <laughs> sure. All right. So I guess yours, your word or phrase or <laughs> sentence, I suppose. Is Me head stick. It looks kind of. I there's another game that I just recently saw that looked which looks very similar where you have head sticks. Uh, I know there's one where you're trying to like pick up cards or something by slapping them on the table. Well, no, there's another one that you actually have to attach a crane to your head with a hook, and you're Ooh. picking up pieces with the hook. Lift it. It was from a game, Lift It, where you had the li- these little hooks that you had to attach to your head, and you had to lift. You you threw out a card, and you had to pick up these Tetris-looking pieces and put them on a board with this crane attached to your head. And this is what this reminds me of. Okay. Your this is so weird. Okay. Anyway, the other one that came up and it's from Mo, who, you know, more than half the words are his, so I guess it's a good chance of it happening. Um, is palm trees. So I guess I'm going to be arguing palm trees. Palm trees, oh okay. Interesting. Headsticks or palm trees. Palm trees. I wonder how palm trees fix in, fits into Rome. <laughs> anyway. No idea what I'm gonna do for this one. This is going to be a stretch. Would you like to go first or second, Albert? Sure. I could go first. You can go first? Yep, I'm ready. As, you the, say. as the winner, you get the choice of whether you want to go first or second. Okay. I am ready. 
Just give me the word. It's the mini head sticks from Monkey Auto Races. Uh, I meant like, Ready? go. Yeah. That's the word. Ready, set, go. All right, so this game needs more mini head sticks. The reason you use a head stick is to, it wouldn't be uh, to push things, but to attach the cards in front of you and in front of your face. So basically, you have your hands free to, to manage all those cards, move the cards around so you could look at the coins or the influence symbols on top while you got the, the other cards in front of you, sort of a heads-up display. Really handy, and also it sort of gives it a Roman visor sort of feel, so you feel like you're in Rome. It, it makes the game way more thematic, these head sticks. Pause. Stop. Time. Oh, that was perfect. I was done. The, the game needs them. I mean, yeah. All right, and as a reminder, it's supposed to be 20 seconds each with a 10-second rebuttal, so I'm ready to argue about palm trees whenever you're ready. Okay, go. So palm trees are needed because we need a different alt art set for the land cards. Now, the land cards and packs are actually these deciduous trees, these little triangle pointy trees, which doesn't fit the timeline either. This is all talking about a foreign Roman... Um, colony that that's off probably somewhere off in the Middle East where there's plenty of palm trees. So we need some alt art promos for this, which should be different Stop. palm tree version land cards. The shiny Stop. foil. And your 10 second <laughs> rebuttal? <laughs> no, you get a 10 second rebuttal. Oh, I get the 10 second rebuttal? Yeah, that's the rule oh, of the game. That's right. I th- okay, okay, that makes more sense. Go. Uh, Okay, this game does not need palm trees. Palm trees are not very thematic, unless you're talking about the Romans attacking into Egypt, that sort of thing. But that doesn't make sense. What this needs is nice. Nice. Just nice. (laughs) Nice. And that's it. There you go. Ouch. No, it needs palm trees. All you got to say is that it doesn't need palm trees. That was very concise. Oh, it doesn't need palm palm trees. trees. Yeah, there's my rebuttal. It does too need (laughs) palm trees. (laughs) These palm trees don't really need monkey head sticks. All right, so I'm going to contact Mo and Chris and send you guys dice. There you go. Thank you so much to everyone for giving us words, and we'll take more words. And thank you to everyone for listening. Yep, and the other ones are still in there, so you'll you'll get your chance to get drawn. We should set a limit. 12 words is an awful lot. (laughs) Well, I'll make sure he doesn't get picked next week. Well, yeah, maybe that's what we gotta do. <laughs> we appreciate all the words, Mill. Thank you very much, but we gotta give other people a chance. <laughs> ah, all right, and that's the show. That's our hundredth episode. It's awesome. It's about a hundred minutes long. I bet. Are we not gonna do anything special for our hundredth show, Albert? Nothing special. I yes. Yes, we are. As a matter of fact, thank you for reminding me. We're going to give away an expansion to Sentinels of the Multiverse. This is the Choke Point mini expansion. And so we're going to give it away. So, you know, it's I'm just giving it away because I love everybody. And so all you got to do is give me your name and you're entered to win. You don't even have to work at it in celebration of the 100th episode. <laughs> so send me an email. Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or send me a geek mail if you prefer on BGG to Fractaloon and, and you'll be entered and we'll draw a name. When do we draw the name? All right. So send in your entry if you're interested in this expansion. It's Choke Point. It's one villain. And, and, and get your entries to us by May 10th. Yep. All right. And, and that's a wrap. Is that, the, is that all the party we're doing? Albert, no cake? No champagne? No, cake. no champagne, nothing. <laughs> It is, flutes? No, but where's my harmonica? Yeah, we have a very quiet hundredth episode party. 
You know, we, I, we do it low-key around here. Low-key. I cheered at the beginning. I suppose. Right? Here we go. How's that for and the now the harmonica with Albert. <laughs> <laughs> and there's our celebratory 100th episode music. <laughs> da, da, da. Very good. It was a little right. downbeat, but oh well. <laughs> congratulations, Albert. 100 episodes to Yay, many more. Congratulations. Yep. Thank you. All right. And stop recording. Goodbye, listeners. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-alike license. Thanks for listening.